This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and with me I have the Las Vegas Open head judge, one of the Las Vegas Open head judges, <laughs> Adam Solis. Hello, everybody. And the head organizer, T.O., judge, referee extraordinaire, Jason Horn from the Iron Halo. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Pablo, I just want to say those are way, that's way too many, uh... Acronyms, adjectives for me. I am just a lowly, lowly 40k enthusiast and TO here in Oklahoma. But I do appreciate the kind words. Low, low TOs don't don't run 100 person major <laughs> events. Well, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so we're I brought Adam and Jason on uh, two experienced TOs, two experienced uh, people in the 40k community to talk about. Uh, cheating essentially this is going to be the the cheater 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 purple people eater episode <laughs> um basically <Yes. laughs> we're, we're going to talk about uh 40k cheating um it, it's definitely been the hot button issue uh in competitive 40k it's certainly defined competitive 40k for this year so far uh, which is a bit of a shame um but you know it is what it is and i think the bigger we grow as a community um, the more we're just going to have to address the issue head on. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, cheating, the different ways people cheat, some misconceptions about cheating. Um, for example, slow playing uh, and just throwing out cheater labels and what, what is cheating, what isn't cheating, etc., etc. Um, and then we're going to talk about the future of the ITC and the future of competitive 40k in, in regards to dealing with that. And not just cheating and, and those issues, but just dealing with the nuances of running events. Um We'll probably talk a little bit about the ITC floor rules. Um, I know I have a couple opinions on, on what I think should be on there. Um, so this is just going to be an open discussion, and it's really meant to benefit people who go to tournaments and uh, people who are thinking about going to tournaments and who are a little worried, a little weary about cheaters, um, and also TOs who are looking to figure out what to do about, uh, we'll just say... Um, Those guys? Those, those guys, <laughs> those, those guys. The, do, those, do we do we cue like the Wild West music right here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, and I know I know uh, quite a bit of you are experienced and you have your own strong opinions. Um, if you're tuning into this, um, just I just want to ask politely to set those off to the side. Uh, we're we're not here to bash anyone. We're not here to shame anyone. Um, we're not here to call out events. Uh, we're just here to talk about this this issue and you know this game that we love so much 
um, and what you guys can do to have more fun. Because that's ultimately the bottom line is is we're here recording, uh, helping you guys have fun. That's that's generally what the way I like to think about my podcast is. So hopefully you guys have fun and learn something. Yep. Anyways, moving on to the announcements. Uh, we have uh, one announcement. We have one GT coming up. Mr. Ryan M. Ryan M. wanted to, me to call out his event, uh, the Bridge City Open in Saskatchewan, Canada. Saskatchewan. Where, where's you know Saskatchewan? Adam Sandler. It's not. Right, it's right. not the USA, so I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's in Canada. There are 38 players signed up. Uh, the Bridge City Open. Um, you, it's August 25th and 26th. And uh, in case you're wondering, my birthday is August 27th. So if you want to get me a birthday present, you know, sign up for the Cess, the the Bridge City Open in Canada. Um, and then <laughs> Facebook message me or email me saying, "Now, Happy Pablo, birthday, is that Pablo. really what you want for your birthday?" Yeah, man. For some random person to be I like, "Hey, he for wants, your birthday, uh, I'm going to a tournament." I'm like, okay. You sure? You sure you don't want pronunciation lessons? Oh, I would. I Shop I'll take those two. I'll take those two. <laughs> I'll take anything. True mark of a family, man. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then I wanted to talk about our sponsor, our eternal sponsor, the Iron Halo. The Iron Halo, of course, is an event I went to last year. Um, if you listen to this podcast even a little bit, you probably heard us talk about it. Uh, but the Iron Halo is an amazing event. And I'll let Jason fill you guys in a little bit more about that. Cool. Yeah, do we want to talk about it now? Or, yeah, or just, just tell, them, okay. tell them about the Iron Halo. Pitch it. Yeah. Uh, hey, basically, we are uh, in the... We, I, I kind of crown ourselves as like a, a hidden gem in the in the, the Plains area. We're kind of located... We're in Oklahoma, Barsville, Oklahoma, which is our north of Tulsa. And uh, basically, uh, we, get, we draw players from Minnesota, Texas, uh, you know east and west coast as well i think one time we had a, a guy come out from seattle but really what we're known for is bringing um bringing the really good 40k players to beat up on our locals that is what we're <laughs> known for <laughs> because you know nice it's like you bring these big guys that you know win like huge gts like matt root for example he's won the last two times he's going for the the tree peat this time and so we're really excited to have him come out and and uh, you know they play our local players that are really good, and then smash their faces in. But, but really, we're uh, we're basically a huge charity tournament for On the Rock Ministries. On the Rock is a uh, a nonprofit organization that helps at risk youth and kids uh, with their after school tutoring programs, with their um, uh, like computer programming classes. The cool one of the coolest stories I heard from them was that a student took uh, a a engineering class. And or uh, my, they they did robotics, and actually when they graduated high school, they knew what they wanted to do in college, and they continued that profession, uh, or that degree in college in a robotics program, and so that's really one of the cool success stories with that program, and it's just really cool that we were able to uh, have it at this venue, which is an amazing venue. Uh, I think I posted video last year of uh, of you, Pablo, playing on our VR machine out there, which was hilarious. <laughs> I think. Oh yeah, they I have a VR machine. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I think I think more people actually were playing the VR machine than the 40k games. So uh, if you're basically uh, the if you're kind of on the fence, check us out. Our website is ironhalo.org. 
Uh, we had 97 players last year, so we're shooting for over 100, which is, uh, I, th- I think we can do that. Uh, we've definitely grown since then. And uh, right now we have 37 different uh, categories or prizes to hand out on top of the random drawings. And then we're also doing a raffle night for a uh, poor Pharon. And I think nice. we actually just got a, uh, I know that not not a lot of people do this, but we do have, it looks like a... 8th edition fantasy army. Uh, I think spiders? Well, no. Well, Adam, Adam what would you say the spiders are? Spider race. The, the, wait, 8th oh, edition fantasy? You mean the spider riders? The goblin spider yes. riders? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. Looks like it's a whole bunch of goblin spider riders. I like how you go to me for like the older stuff. Well, you said <laughs> you've been playing forever. I, I have, I'm not going to lie, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still offended. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You've been playing 40k when I was like in diapers. So there we go. That's literally true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, basically, if you guys haven't checked us out, go check us ironhaler.org. Look us up on our Facebook page. I put lots of videos uh, on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll be releasing our custom miniature for the event that you guys can pick up at the event, and all the proceeds go to mm-hmm. On the Rock Ministries. Uh, and so. Uh, if, if you have any questions, you can go to our website or go to our, web, our, our uh, Facebook page, and Pablo can also uh, answer any questions, um, most any questions at the Halo, about the Halo. Yep. Uh, and then one final thing is uh, some, something Jason touched on a little bit. Uh, I just want to talk about how insane the pride support that the Iron Halo usually is. Uh, Jason has 3D printers running year-round, printing terrain and yes. custom prizes. Actually, I actually have so, them printed right now. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're printing right now. You can may, you might be able to hear them in the background. Uh, so so the the prize support's always great. And then the, the absolutely the coolest thing about the Iron Halo is the community. Uh, it's essentially the entire Midwest 40k tournament community. So so if you think about the Iron Halo as as the premier event in the Midwest, right? So you have like Nova on the East Coast, Las Vegas Open or Bay Area Open on the West Coast, or SoCal Open on the west coast any of those large events but the iron halo is that big large event that that i saw the community like for example david armand from the renegade open uh he was there he brought terrain you had the flying monkey guys come out uh you had the midwest conquest guys come out you had all these large you know tournaments in the midwest come out to the iron halo and bring terrain uh bring in some cases bring surprise support little goodies um it was just overall it it feels like a, a 40 kick community that you know that that got brought together to make this amazing event. So it, it's if you need contacts, if if you're looking for more events in your area, it's a great place to go. You go to the Iron Halo, have a great time, and then the people you meet will be friends for you, be your friends for for the rest of your life. Is that's kind of that's kind of what I really liked about it is that if you're looking for that 40k community to fit your needs, like it's a good place to start. Yep. Yeah. Actually, that's exactly why I wanted to run the Iron Halo is because I had such a fun time at my first big event. That I, I just wanted to make friends all, all across the, the nation, and I, I think I think we've effectively done that with the event. So, uh, and, and we're looking forward to having you come out, Pablo. And uh, I, I, pro- I probably didn't say the dates, but it's going to be October sixth uh, and seventh. So, boom. Uh, <laughs> boom! Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, I'm not a very good professional speaker. I'm That's more, okay. I'm more like a judge. Yeah. Something, something else. So, <laughs> speaking of speaking of judges, uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the main topic. Uh, 
before before we we talk about about maybe some negative things um, or negative perceptions in 40k tournaments, I just want to say that cheating in 40k is is something that happens. Is not I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it doesn't exist. Um, there are definitely people who who take their toy soldier experience a little too seriously, um, and so it's something that happens. But it, it is something that that is very rare. Um, I have found in my personal experience. And uh, as I've talked to other people, and I'm sure Jason and Adam will agree with me, and it's not something that you see all the time, and it's not something that should deter you from going to a 40k tournament, uh, especially when you look at all the positives you can gain from going to a 40k tournament. Uh, the friends you make, uh, the good times you have, the traveling, the memories, um, enjoying the game, you know, the experiences. So, so just keep that in mind, guys, when you're listening to us talk, and... Um, just remember that that we're here and we're coming from a place of positivity. And um, even though we're talking about cheaters, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All can right. We just can we just label this podcast "What Not to Do"? What not episode? to do? Yeah, <laughs> so we can, never we can end. Do that. So yeah, <laughs> like, what not to do? You don't don't buy loaded dice. Number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or don't have two fives on your dice. Oh, there's so many places I can go there. A little, I know. Little, <laughs> little, a little too close to anyways. It might kill so, a tournament. Don't buy lowly dice. <laughs> it could check, kill a tournament scene. Um, so, so actually, let's um, while we're on that subject, so let's let's uh, go ahead and jump right into this. Uh, when, just remember that that there are really there are really two kinds of players. What when, when in terms of cheaters? So, for example, if um, uh, we're we're gonna use Alex Harrison as an example, right? So you, you have Alex Harrison, a guy who who um, is one won the LVO, uh, mm-hmm. a, a prominent member of the community, a ETC, a regular, right? Um, so you have a guy like him um, who who goes up on stage, uh, makes some mistakes, which I, I think if you look at if you look at his his uh, what happened at the LGT objectively, um, I think some of the stuff he made were just plain out mistakes, um, and then some of the stuff he made, were, some of the things he did were were a little shady, um, so. When you're looking at, at players, when you're looking at people that you label as cheaters, uh, there are two kinds of people. There are people who simply made a mistake, uh, and then there are people who, sh- who know better, right? So you should always remember that, and the most important thing is that the it's most likely the, the former. It's most likely people just make mistakes. It happens all the time, right? Sometimes you just, you, you're tired, it's been a long day, you, you know, there's a plasma pistol on your model, and you, you shoot it once or twice, or not. Or not, you know. I thought this uh, was, I know, was supposed been... to be a positive podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I just, I'd like to say I've been guilty of of being, you know, like for example, I played Kian Alden on a frontline gaming video on a battle report like four, no, three years ago, um, and I typed, I typed a three instead of a two, or I typed a four and yeah, a two instead of a three for my for one of my Imperial Knights for their cost. Um, so I was basically playing like a hundred points up on Kian. Nice. I still lost the game, um, but but um, people immediately called me out on it. They're like, "Oh, PD Pop's cheating. He, you know, he uh, underpriced his knight so he could get a hundred points more." And I was like, I was running like Calgar and summoning demons for like joking around for fun. Like it was it was I was running like assault terminators, you know, <laughs> um, and Calgar in seventh edition and summoning demons. Like I was it was just joking. I was literally just joking around like putting together a fun list um but you know i was accused of cheating and i, I think that's kind of set the tone for for my um 
I could say, I, like tournament career or public 40k career. Um, in that, you know, any little mistake you make when you point it up to the scrutiny of the internet, it's it's going to come out tenfold. Right. Right. So, yes. I, yeah, I can definitely attest to that. But really, we uh, <laughs> we recorded the the flying monkey uh, uh, tournament this uh, about a month ago, uh, and uh, Trent Northington. Uh, it was Trent Northington on the stream, and it was really interesting. A couple people that were watching the YouTube video of it, they're like they were like calling him out after the game, and they're asking, it "Was like, well, why was he rolling two dice on his?" Um, on his hellhounds. I was like, well, it's because they were the forge world ones. And so to save time, he would roll two dice. And then, uh, it was like, well, how did he use this, this Raven strat? And, and it turns out that actually he, he didn't know he could, he couldn't use the strat, but he corrected the next game. And then it, away we go. Bottom line is it didn't affect the outcome of the game. Um, but, but it's, you know, with the event of streaming, uh, everything is definitely becoming more public. And uh, with with this ATC issue happening, uh, cheating and bad behavior is just not going to be accepted in the 40k tournament scene anymore. Yeah. So so in regards to streaming, um, Adam. Yeah. At the LVO, so there's obviously there's a lot of pressure on judges, right? So when when you're streaming, like you can, I'm sure this this has happened to you guys at least once. Um, maybe someone is is watching the stream. And they see, they know you personally, and they see like one of the players make a mistake or cheat, um, and then they spam Facebook message you, or they spam Facebook message me or Reese mm-hmm. or someone. I, I know I got that. Um, I got that last year. That's actually how I found out about the Grappando thing. Was um, someone on Facebook message? Someone's Facebook message spamming me, saying like Pablo, like what he just did. Like I, we can't stand for it. Like you should do something about it. And I was like, dude, I am like. I'm running a convention right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was just checking my phone and I just saw like a billion Facebook messages. Like, all right, well, well, now I have to figure out what happened. Right. Um. But but as a judge for the LVO, does what what effect does a Twitch stream have on on just you know that kind of play in general? It it, it we we had one year. Currently, we do not allow cell phones basically on the Twitch stream anymore. Because during one year we had someone, uh, I want to say it was PJ Pants, but we had someone getting uh, text messages during the game from people watching the stream, which you can you can you can call a form of cheating. Mm-hmm. So um, there there was that. It's 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 hard because they only the the Twitch is great. I love it. Um, as it gets more refined, I, I enjoy it more and more. Especially during tournaments, like I watched the uh, Flying Monkey uh, GT Twitch stream the whole weekend. Yeah, that was um, a, that guy was a terrible announcer. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time, right? Just need to yeah, exactly, something it. like that. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. <laughs> I did not say that, but I will not dispute that. Um, <laughs> but so what ends up happening is, and be- because things look different on, I guess let's just say TV or on your computer screen than they do. In person, you get a lot of, or the angle is different, or the view is different, and so they, they assume a lot of things that just aren't true if you're actually there. So what we get a lot of are those, you know, more or less judge calls online, where we sometimes have to go and explain why we ruled something a certain way, or why something wasn't wrong, or that, no, their army is actually uh, three three colors. You just can't see the one of the colors kind of washes out on the screen. 
um, when you see it on your computer, things like mm-hmm. that. So, so people are, people nowadays, especially especially with what's going on this year, are very hyper focused on what's happening during a, a Twitch stream, especially as we get closer, as the event gets closer to top table. Yes, I can definitely attest to that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'll have more you have more viewers. Um, game six than you will game one unless it's like you know you have aaron along and jeff robinson you know round one you know yeah it's gonna get that, that could happen right maybe that can happen maybe. it just won't happen yeah. on the stream <laughs> exactly <laughs> which would have been awesome i mean so that so uh what about what about off the stream right so so we're gonna go we're gonna take things a little more personal now um and when you guys are playing games uh i'm sure you guys have have at one point or another felt like your opponent um you, maybe not felt like your opponent is cheating you but felt like like there could be more communication on the field or um or maybe you did at one point play an opponent who who you felt like they were they were um they were cheating or there was there was some shady play going on um what about when there's not a twitch stream around there's no judges around uh, maybe you're at a small local rtt how do you guys deal with with any play like that any any we'll, we'll, we'll call it um we'll, we'll call it uh uh shady play banned for life banned <laughs> no questions no longer asked. play jason no longer no you're, you're the player jason you're not the judge in this case dad gummit ah <laughs> and there's no sports score. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, old habits die hard yeah exactly uh uh i guess adam i'll, well, let I'll you take I, this one yeah yeah okay um for for me personally there there have been times over the years um whether it was modeling for advantage, like uh, they give the example of the kneeling or the prone uh, Wraith Lord when Wraith Lords used to be a thing. Um, I've actually seen <laughs> one. Um, this is before the Wraith Knight was even a thing. So <laughs> that's how. Right. These right. the old metal ones? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You could make those kneel? Yeah, people would. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, me- I remember playing someone that his, his, uh, his color scheme was Biel Tan. But he played them as Altok, so that kind of threw me off. Um, well, that's common now. Back then, it wasn't so common. This is back in third edition. Um, third edition is probably when I played the most, third and fourth. So that's where most of I, uh, nowadays um, I don't see it as much personally. But uh, there's different there's different there's different levels and there's different um, I guess consciousness consciousness when it comes to cheating because some people may do it without even knowing like we talk about slow play for instance uh it it may not be cheating because they may not they may think they're fast and that's been discussed on numerous occasions on numerous podcasts on different uh facebook pages things like that Um, for me personally in terms of uh in terms of that it's just it's just knowing keep knowing where the clock is because some places only have one clock in one location or if you bring a chess clock or have something to time yourself, knowing how much time has gone by. And maybe just kind of you know nudging your opponent to maybe play a little faster. You may come off as a jerk at times, but sometimes that's what's needed, especially if you're in contention or you think you have a chance to be in contention. Because you, okay. you don't want the game to end on turn three or four. Yeah. Unless you're an orc player, <laughs> from what I've heard. <laughs> um. <laughs> and, and we'll definitely talk about slow playing, because I've got so much to say about slow playing. Um, I feel like that could probably earn its own podcast, but um, but we'll we, we'll go ahead and we'll come back to slow playing. Yeah. Um, but what about other things? Uh, there's been things like uh, a lot of things you sometimes see is like the fast dice, 
mm-hmm. where they roll really fast and they pick up their dice really fast and just declaring what happened before you have a chance to really look at them. Um, especially if they're dice that are hard to read. Yeah. Um, we, so, so, Adam, in that, in that particular situation, what would you do? Uh, what, um, what you, I've like, done, what, what I've done do? before, yeah. what I've done before, after the first one or two times, is I would they would roll and then I would just kind of just tell them to, to basically slow down. I would ask them to slow down and explain what what it is and what I'm looking for, as opposed to uh, just letting it go. I'll, I'll probably let it go like the first couple times. If they keep on doing it, then I'll say something. And and then uh, in relation to that also is is they would th- sometimes roll behind a piece of scenery. We used to have a local player that did that a lot. He would roll fast and then roll behind scenery and just declare what the roll was. So with him... Nine times uh, out of ten. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's uh, okay. Uh, so nine uh, times out of ten so with, you... Uh, oh, God. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, nine times out of ten. Dang, Gellin, we're pretty terrible at this. Go ahead, nine Jason. times out of ten, would you... Um, what would be the uh, what would be like the response of that player when you ask them, "Hey, slow down," or "Can you do it this way?" Usually, usually they would they would stop. Usually they would correct it. Nine times out of them, they correct it. Um, they make and sometimes and sometimes they may correct it just for our game, but in the next game they start doing it again. Mm. And if you notice and you see that happening, and if it's someone in, in your team or someone you know that they're playing against, I would at least warn them. And then warn the judge or the TO about this. Because if, if it's something he keeps on doing every tournament, then it's a pattern and it needs to be addressed. Because what ends up happening is it causes a negative play experience for multiple players over the course of multiple RTTs or GTs. And then you get what, ha- what ends up happening with like what happened with this player. You're going to get people coming to the TO and say, hey, if this guy comes back, I'm just not going to bother showing up. And and so we had to, uh, he had to actually deal with the with that player and when by dealing with him I mean he banned from our tournaments and he hasn't been back since it's been about wow. three or four years now. Wow. Okay. And, and go ahead, go ahead, Adam. No, I was going to say he plays in other tournaments. He just doesn't come to our store. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So and and that's um that's like kind of like an that's like a last resort thing. Like you don't you definitely don't want to witch hunt or no. shame people out, out of your store. Like that's just. This is really bad. It just looks bad, um, especially for people who are new. Um, but so, you know, of course, sometimes you, it just has to happen. Like it's yeah, in in this case, it it basically came down to money. The store was going to lose money because they weren't going to get players coming to their event, right? Because of this one player. So, yeah. do you lose the money from the one player, or you lose the money from the five or six or seven players that said they weren't going to come to the tournament anymore? Yeah, that's a rough spot. Um, one thing that uh, that I like to do when I'm playing players is uh, I like to identify what kind of player they are. And th- this is important for slow playing, which I'll, which I'll expand on later. Um, but to give you a, a brief anecdote, uh, I was playing at a tournament in the Scorched Earth Open in Arizona. And I was playing a guy who had a beautiful Zinch army. He had like mushroom head Zinch chaos demons and stuff. Okay. This was back in 7th edition. It's very pretty. He's a very, very nice, very well-mannered, fluffy kind of guy. Like, like, kind of, like, definitely a, a less competitive, intense player. Um, and I, sh- I, I should have seen those signs, but I didn't, because I was, I was uh, doing well in the tournament, so I was, I was kind of like, like, <laughs> PD Pop, go for the throat mode. Not cheating, go for the throat mode, but, like, like I want to do well. So the first thing he did was, uh, if you've ever been to the Scorched Open, they have, like, these giant L-shaped walls in the middle of the table. They're, they're, like, they're, like, 10 inches high. Like, you can hide a knight behind them. So they got these giant 10-inch walls, 
on the side of the table or on the middle of the table and he rolled um a save for a demon behind it and then picked it up and and immediately i was like hey would you mind rolling that somewhere else next time um but i i said it kind of like 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 i, I said it with no emotion i i didn't i wasn't like could you please do it like i was just, it was more of like a demand than an actual like question and i can see why he got upset he was he was like are you calling me a cheater and i was like i i got taken aback and i was like no i just you know i want to keep everything honest and professional and then he was like well i know you're one of those tournament guys and, and then we kind of mm. got into a little spat for like five <laughs> minutes and, and uh, eventually things calmed down yeah it was it, things calmed down and i, I was like listen i'm sorry it just you know I want to make sure everything's cool, and he's like, "Okay." So we we talked it out. Um, but uh, on the flip side, I played players who who are known cheaters, um, in you know in, in like areas, um, and I've asked them to do the same thing. Please be you know, more vague. Uh, I've asked them to do the same thing. You know, please roll your dice somewhere where I can see them. Slow down, uh, and they they almost always like were like, "Oh yeah, sure, bud. Like yeah, totally." You know, hey, that I'll sounds like that. what Jeff Robinson would say. That's like exactly what he would say. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> not, kidding. Not, Jeff, you're a great guy. You have no idea who I am. We would love for you to come to the Iron Halo. You probably don't <laughs> listen to this a great podcast pitch. anyway. Jeff, <laughs> not at all. Prove um, to me you're not cheating. I'm just kidding. You you're a great player. So, <laughs> uh, but 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 uh, yeah, I, I've had like those those players. So so it really it really depends on on who who you're playing like i in my experience i've actually found like the players who are more shady like when you call them out on their shady tactics like nine times out of ten they like just give in they fold right like very rarely will you find someone who will actually argue you back like if, if you look at a long and jeff uh, a long is is the kind of player who who will who will argue argue back to you um if you call them out on stuff right and, and i'm not calling a long uh, a, a cheater but i'm using an example because he is he is right now the poster child for for shady playing 40k unfortunately that's just that's just the way it is right now right so so if you yep. look at some players they you look at some players that you know they will argue back with you um and so you have to be aware of like is this the kind of guy who will argue back does he have a, a record of some kind or or a bad reputation um is he just like abrasive you know it, and every game you play comes down to this right and it's not just with cheating it's it's with every game of 40k that you play um you know, so you should always take the five minutes or you know, couple minutes to to get to know your opponent, um, and just kind of figure out what kind of game this is. Um, and most of the time, you should. I I usually strive for for uh, mechanical perfection, like uh, like um, you know, making sure that I, my my play is clean and tight. Uh, though, and some, again, some players like when I'm playing Reese and Frankie, especially Frankie, like I'm loose. Like my my move is my move inches. My moves are like eight inches. Frankie's moves are like eight inches. Mm. We're, we're like mm -hmm. we're, we're in combat, but we're like twenty inches away. We're like, oh yeah, they're they're in combat, right? And Frankie's like, yeah, dude, you can, you you made it. Like you're good. And then, it's it's really loose, but that's just the way Frankie and I play. Like that's just we we know each other, and, and we don't care because because we we already have that kind of rapport with each other. Um, so it it just it just depends. Do you um, have the same rapport with Reese? No. <laughs> have you seen Not Have you all. seen Reese play on the Twitch stream? Oh my god! Oh, of course I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's the Reese coaster. Reese doesn't. Uh, Reese doesn't kind of. <laughs> Reese just doesn't allow like uh, allow it. Like he's um, Reese is a whole nother beast because because he definitely doesn't. He's definitely doesn't cheat. He definitely doesn't like like try to pull the wool over your eyes. But at the same time, he does like pull the wool <laughs> over your eyes. He doesn't cheat. He's Reese isn't a cheater. Um, but. 
he he uh he's just a different beast. If if you guys ever get the pleasure to play with Reese, just remember to play your best game cuz cuz he's a very good player. Um a deceptively good player cuz he, cuz he'll he'll make you think he's he's past his prime and that he doesn't know what's going on, but <laughs> he does. Does um, he bring a walker to tournaments? Is that is that how he <laughs> I don't know gets... what he I don't know. It's I think it's the voice. I I don't I don't I don't know at all. They're like this guy smokes so many cigarettes. Like there's no way. Wow. There's no way that 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 he's he he's plays 40k long term. Anyways, um, but, but yeah, that's. You're lucky that's, he doesn't listen uh, to this. Not at all. <laughs> it's, um, I'm gonna uh, get but, fired before I even go to LVO. Right. <laughs> oh no. Either that, um, he'll make you pay. Oh. He'll just take right. it out of your paycheck. That's exactly right. right. The the one the the one dollar I'll get right. <laughs> um, uh, so so moving on, uh, and then and not all cheating is is the same, right? So like no. the obvious cheating is like uh, the um, at a, at a tournament like the lists being like way off, way off. Like I feel like, oh man, this is tough because because the more high level you get in a an event like a round five round six LVO playing like Sean Naden the the less likely you'll you, you know you ha- those players will make like bad mistakes like that like it's just it's just nature mm-hmm. right like if you if you're playing against the New England Patriots like they rarely make mistakes because they're they're professionals and they're really good at their job um you know deflate gate aside like I, <laughs> you know like it's just it's just comes with with uh people who who are the cream of the crop and the best right but if you go to the bottom tables like you would argue that that everyone on the bottom tables is cheating, which I think is what the a stance Salty John would argue is that, is that everyone <laughs> yeah, on the bottom tables is would. cheating. But it's okay because because they're not they're not taking it as seriously. Like they're just there to have fun. They're ha- there to have a good time because they're zero and five and way drunk, right? Yep. Um, yeah. The 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 in, historically the issues we usually have are with the mid tables, the bigger okay. issues. I mean, you have the 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 Tony issue. Or you know the 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 top table issue, but that's only a, a, like eight players, right. you know, or sixteen players out of four hundred. Um, we get it. We on day two and and day two and then uh, on day two, we, the most of our our questions, a lot of them come from the uh, from the mid tables, because maybe they're they may not be in for the top eight, but they're still vying for like best in faction, whether it's for the tournament or for the uh, ITC as a whole. Okay. It- Jason, is that your experience too? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, more so. So, well, like last year at the Iron Halo, I was mainly on the streaming table, and so okay. Um, I did see a debacle <laughs> on on one of the top tables. I think you were there too, Pablo. If you remember that, I don't. I don't remember. Oh, no, I don't remember. oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we basically the... had a Tony Grappando before Tony Grappando was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> there's. There were there were a couple. A- anyways, so is he a hipster Tony? <laughs> yes, it was pre Tony. Pre Tony. Um, but but uh, so so what do you guys think it is about the middle tables? Because I have a theory. I-, I think that it's just because you have players who are like who are like meant to be on the bottom tables, but they got lucky, and then you have like top players who are like meant to be on the top tables, but they got unlucky, and then you just have like a natural clashing of personalities. Like I feel like that's the main thing because when, when I'm when I'm walking around the mid tables, and and I see people arguing or, or getting frustrated or calling each other cheaters, like nine times out of ten, it's like 
one guy I know who's like a hobby oriented, casual, more casual mm-hmm. type player. Uh, and then like uh, like Michael Snyder, right, or like someone who's a perennial like top contender. <laughs> Not saying that Michael Snyder right. causing right. problems. I just use him because he's always like he almost always ends up in those kind of situations eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a um, whole episode in itself, right? Uh, so so what do you th- or or do you think it's something else? Like what do you guys uh, think it is? I, I I think it's a combination of things. Um, one is personality. A lot of times personality, because like you said, you're getting the guys that are just happy to be that high up you're getting guys that are maybe disappointed that they lost uh, the last game or lost a game on their way to where they're at um you also still get what we call the well what i call i'll go say i won't speak for everybody but what i call the tryhards and those are the guys yeah. that are super intense and they're they still they still want to win uh whether whether they just want to win they don't care if they're zero and five and with one game to go they want they want to use every advantage and oh, push that's me and okay, push I'm everything. Oh yeah, you are. I'm not. Oh yeah, that's absolutely. not even. A, that's not even a question. <laughs> um, but you know, cause like for me, like in one RTT, I got I got I had a, a an an issue with my opponent at one time because we and this was just an RTT. We had both lost our first game, so I already know I'm out. So I don't care about the rest of the day. I just want to play just to play. But he was still trying to get every little. Th- he was trying to nickel and dime to get every little thing to win the game, and I and we had a bit of a falling out because of it. And mm. sometimes that just happens. Man, that's and and I think, yeah. and that and and that's part and that's part of it. I and that's part of why I think that and that's why you have the middle issues with the middle tables because you have the tryhards who are, who are almost who ninety nine percent of the time aren't going to break into that top ten percent. Mm-hmm. You know, so they want to do their best where they're at, no matter the situation. So they're they're trying their best to make the most of what where they're at, which is fine. But they don't, but they don't at least throttle it down a little bit because you're getting people that are that just want to be there because they're just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm in Vegas. This is great. <laughs> I love Vegas. I'm I'm just want to play with my little guys, play a bunch of games. You know. And they get and they get hit with these guys, and then and then because the the guys that are happy to be there kind of play like you said, like with you and 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 Frankie, fast kind of fast and loose, which is the style of play. Kind of, it's kind of like a sloppy play, um, because it's not as important to them, right? You know, and so that that clash causes issues sometimes, you know, uh, and 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 sometimes even when they win the. The winning player will still complain about their opponent. They'll complain to us about their opponent. You know, wow. they'll say, "Oh, well, this guy he didn't have. He said he had a musician, but he has a, he doesn't have a model with a drum or a, with a mu- with a musical instrument." And I'm like, "Okay," and technically he's correct, even though he still beat him. I mean, I'm like, "Okay," and you're you're both like one in four at the time. <laughs> so I it I mean maybe I'm just I just have to, don't have the right mindset anymore. But I was never like that even back when I used to play super competitive. Way back well, I in think, the Adam, time. Uh, I, I think you've matured. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it could also be laziness because I do state that <laughs> I do state that I currently do not have the time nor the inclination to try to be a top tier player. Hey, that's, same here, yeah, man. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you guys aren't tryhards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. True. I know where I'm beat. <laughs> um so so uh they're rewinding back um mm-hmm. to you, you mentioned the uh the 
the drummer or the the basically the model cheating, which I think is a good segue into okay. a ne- another form of cheating I want to talk about, and that's the conversion oh model cheating. And that that's see, so that's like this whole another gray area. Yeah. Right? So like on one hand, you have like the Matt Root effect, where you have like an entire <laughs> army. Oh yeah, yeah, we, infamous. And and Matt Root's army is like the perfect example. If you ever if you ever wondered as a TO where you stand on Count Saz models and conversions, <laughs> go back to seventh edition, read Matt Root's admec list, not the army. Don't look at any pictures of his army. Just read the admec list, and then go to like frontlinegaming.org or or any place that covered his army with pictures of his army and try and figure out what's what and 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 ask yourself is that is that okay or is that not okay now i will defend matt he uh so uh in 2016 he wanted to come to the iron halo and so he, he said hey i'd like to come to the iron halo uh but i have a really funky army i'm like okay what is it it's like well i play orcs uh or i, excuse me, I play admic but it's like an orc style so I'm like okay he sends me this document. It's literally like 20 pages. Yeah. And it has um, the picture of the model and what it is. And I'm like, you know, uh, I-, I thought about it really hard, and they looked really good. And, and I-, I allowed it at that event. Uh, also knowing and full aware that, aware that other events had, had allowed this army to play as well. So uh, the interesting thing is after the event was over, I had several people complain that, hey, it was really hard for them to figure out what unit it was. And, and, and I said, well, what? You, had a, you had a document from Matt that showed uh, you know, what units are what. And he, they said, well, you know, in the heat of battle, I'm not looking through a piece of paper to see what units are what. <laughs> I said, <laughs> right. fair enough. That that's a good point. And so I don't know. I I don't I don't think he's playing that army uh, no. anymore. And, and and I think that's no. good. Kudos for Matt for uh, taking the initiative and and not being one of those other those other players where uh, like taking model taking modeling to the, for the advantage to the next level. For for me, um, yeah, I, I I'm not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, you you come from an age when when uh, WYSIWYG when meant WYSIWYG, yeah, yeah, yeah. WYSIWYG meant WYSIWYG. Blue scars were, oh were like God. a disease. I had right? such a conniption when I when I when I started seeing the the blue scars. <laughs> oh my God! Nice. I was trig- I was triggered every time I saw them. Then you yeah. probably don't want to see my army, Adam. I had uh, blood <laughs> scars or, or no red scar. <laughs> we had no. We had a player that was. Red, what was he playing? I think it was like red scars, and I'm just like, I hate you. <laughs> you, you know, you guys. What's funny is, is, uh, is Adam and Travis allowed my warp spider marines in Hammer of Wrath way back in the like two years ago. I do not so, recall that. I do not. I do uh, not recall oh, that. You know that what? was Travis. I did, message Tra- I did message Travis. That's what it was. I want no. I, I want I no part of were, that. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know your your stance back then. So I'm glad I made the right decision because because if I had messaged Adam, it would have been like, sorry, Pop. Bob. <laughs> like, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, and and that's um, if you have conversions and counts as armies, like don't don't get deterred. Uh, I don't think any TO wants to stifle creative freedom. Like I, I don't. I don't Correct. think a TO, you know, wants to wants to bring that kind of maybe Adam, but yeah, most no, TOs, no dancing allowed. Yeah, <laughs> most TOs don't want. Most TOs just want um, the hobby aspect to be respected, uh, yes. and so so that's where that line is basically as I see it. 
Um, occasionally you'll get something like Matt Roots where you have like a, clearly a gorgeous like counts as converted army like with a lot of love and care put into it. Um, and, but that's just that's like a whole nother thing. Um, so uh, Adam, mm-hmm. at tournaments, w- what's like? So you don't you don't you're the head judge with LVO, but it's not your event. Um, so I think this is that's probably a great way to talk about this from that point. It's probably so for the, the LBO, better, actually. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> for the LVO, what's the what's the stance on like counts as and converted models and all that? Uh, cur- currently, and I say currently because it could change. I don't know. Um, currently, it in terms of counts as, as long as it's like the same dimensions, and you and you can clearly see what it is, and it doesn't have like if there's not like two of the same thing but they count as two different things that can as long as it doesn't confuse people we'll usually allow it like last year we had a uh, custom made fire raptor that was like two storm ravens but it it was the same dimension as the fire raptor and it had the same armament as a fire raptor so we so we allowed it um cool other things um i can't remember other things was like uh custom gw buildings but they had had they had and this is in seven, so it was like a custom. I forget which building it was, but they had added some platforms to it, which changed the way the models sat on the building because it allowed more models to sit on us on the levels, and we didn't allow it because of that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't a sky shield. It was one of the okay. like regular buildings. Okay, but they okay. they they had they had uh, extended the platform or the 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 flooring so they could put more models on the second and third floor, and we didn't allow it because it wasn't. It was modeling for advantage because the original model, mm-hmm. the floor isn't that wide. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that is taken into account where we compare it to the original model, uh, especially when the void shield generator was was a thing. Oh yeah, we had to compare. We had to compare the d- dimensions. One guy, I, I, is this family friendly? I forget. Uh, <laughs> eh, not really. Okay. Say whatever you want. You can bleep this out then, because <laughs> one guy brought an Eldar quote unquote void shield generator. And all it was was this tower about as high about we'll say as high as a void shield, but it was basically and it was it looked kinda Eldar. It actually looked like a dildo to me. But <laughs> it it didn't <laughs> Is this that LVO? That's why I asked. This was that LVO. Oh my god. And oh, um man. and what so to Vegas and he stays get, in Vegas. <laughs> and but that's all it was. There was there was no base, there was no like bunker. There was no platforms, anything. So we at least made him uh, add like a – I think we had a terrain piece that was a bunker. And we just had him add the bunker on the bottom to us. And he returned it to us at the end of the tournament. But but he didn't – at wow. that time, he didn't get it get it checked out to us to to uh, get it pre-approved. So, oh, but the, And there's been other times where we had to pull some models because they didn't get it cleared with us. And we didn't find out till like the second round or something like that until someone pointed it out to us that this certain model wasn't wasn't allowed and it wasn't even the actual model it was some custom job somebody did. How, how do you guys deal with like the old like metal greater demons? You know, you, you know how like uh, basically old models or, or different size models that are basically the same model. Like if obviously if someone used like the old Nagash as the new Nagash, like come on man, like like really right. in, in Age of Sigmar, but. But what do you guys do about like the old greater demons and stuff? Um, well, Jason, yours, yours is coming up first, so <laughs> I'm gonna throw this one at you. Uh, so I, I guess you can equate that to if someone had a old flying hive tyrant. Actually, I have one of those, and I can't believe how incredibly small it is. Uh, and so it's it's about the size of um, 
it's basically half the size of a flying hive tyrant. And my stance, personal stance, and I think what we're going to do for, actually I know what we're going to do for the Halo is, uh, if it is an original GW bottle model, as long as the base size is correct with the current model, then you're good to go. Okay, so wow. if you put if you put uh, that's a big gas, base. Uh, a that is a big base, but <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you put that little Nagash model on like a Nagash base, like the the big Age of Sigmar base, and just a little tiny model of the base, is that okay? Yes. Or or is that okay? All right. Yeah, I mean as that long because you're consistent. Yeah, the base is the same, you know, and so there you don't have any issues with like, uh, you know, fitting the gash or fitting, uh, you, you know, the model in a weird angle or hiding them. Um, I mean, you can, I guess, you can hide them with a building, but it's just, it's just for consistency. We just recommend the base, and the base could be like, you know, the small base could be on top of the or uh, the big or the larger small, one. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and just make it okay. look nice, you know. Uh, we're yeah, not gonna. Yeah. We're not. We're not stricklers, but uh, what I what if you do show up at the Halo without getting pre-approval as far as base size uh, for an older model or any uh, any custom model, uh, it is subject to getting pulled, and we will be harsher than if you would have just asked us before. Okay. Yeah. The for LVO we don't know yet because we haven't really discussed it. Um. Personally, um, the, the except for the Keeper of Secrets, the other ones have been out for a while now. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I this is probably why it's best that I'm not running that not, I'm not in charge because I would not allow it if it in my in my opinion. But but we'll have to discuss and see what we want to do because uh, by the time LVO comes around, the Great Unclean ones have been out would have been out for almost a year. That's plenty enough time to save up to get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At this point, you're right. I mean, even the greater, even the thousand, the Keeper of Secrets has been out for for more than a year now. Like, yeah. It 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 predates Magnus, and Magnus is coming up on a year old. So, yeah. um So, yeah, Adam, so are you saying that uh, you would you would require those players to play with the newer models? Is that correct? If I was in charge, I would. Okay. If, if, but again, it's it's up. We haven't really discussed it for LVO, right. so who? I mean. We could maybe give them one more year, especially if, especially if the uh, Keeper Secret comes out like later this year. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and 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 that's a that's fair. Um, I think at this point, GW's done a good enough job of um making it so that every model has a model that you can buy. So so I I, I see more less and less reasons to bring those old metal models, um, other than you really love them, like you really really love them, and. and it's going to take a lot of convincing to, to get someone to tell me that they really love like their old bloodthirster. Their old metal bloodthirster. Like, Depends which version of the bloodthirster you have. I mean, I don't know, man. Or the old the old metal corn blood letters. I hate those guys. The spindly ones. The 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 or the beefy ones. ones. The furry ones. Oh, the beefy ones. Yeah, I actually like those. Oh well, fair enough. I mean, you know, each his own. But but the point I'm trying to make is is. is <laughs> Let Thanks for people... dismissing me. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were a guest on here. Apparently not. Sorry, Adam. I just, <laughs> okay. I just don't. I just don't like them. But um. But you know, I was. I was just trying not to lead to an argument there about models. I'm not. I'm not going to argue. You just have poor taste. But that's okay. Fair enough. You're. You're right. I do have. I do. Have, I. Re, I play Ultramarines, man. <laughs> if it's. If it's blue and boring, I'm all, I'm all for it. So I will. I will give you that. <laughs> but um. Uh, yeah, so so I, I think more and more 
people are running out of excuses other than I like this model because it gives me a competitive advantage. Um, and I see a lot. I see a lot more of that than I like <clears throat> this model because it's cool and old and metal, or cool and the old model. Like, you know, I used I my warp spiders when I, when I had them. I I just hated the old warp spider model. Mm-hmm. So my warp spiders, like, I, I tried my best to not get any competitive advantage. From, as a matter of fact, they were more un. They're more of a disadvantage because uh, even though they were on the small base, the small warp spider base. I couldn't actually group them up together. So when they deep strike, it was really hard to deep strike them because they're mm-hmm. they were like big bulky marines. So they couldn't quite like I couldn't quite deep strike them like normal warp spiders would. Um, but but um, that's few and far between, I think. Um, uh, so is there anything else you guys want to add about modeling for advantage and cheaters? Don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, I think I think the current climate with what's been happening lately has made it more, more at the forefront. And I just need, and I think people should just be careful and try not to just jump the gun in terms of labeling people cheaters, um, maybe because they forgot something or did something wrong. Cause it, the game itself is there's plenty of, there's plenty of chances to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Now, now Adam, I mean, as much, as much as, huh? Uh, so I, I do want to bring up the, the ATC, with Aaron's yeah. Rough Riders, uh, if Aaron showed up at, at the LVO with Rough Riders, like he did at ATC, uh-huh. would you pull those models? If they weren't approved, probably. Correct. Okay. They probably wouldn't have been approved when he uh, if he had sent them in because just because of the modeling for advantage because they're they're much they have a much lower profile than uh, than an actual Rough Rider. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Someone someone was asking us about the uh, Ar- Ar- Artemia Hellhound, the Forge World Hellhound, mm-hmm. and they're wondering if they could just use a regular Hellhound nope. um, mm-hmm. instead. And we told them no because the tank is bigger; it's got a bigger back end, which usually mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing. But on a tank, it is because it, it's it's a, a bigger profile. So you're you can, someone could almost claim you're modeling for advantage if you use a regular Hellhound. A bigger back end is never bad, by the way. No, depending what it's who, who has it. <laughs> uh, it's totally um, not. <laughs> hey, hey, Pablo! I just want to let you know that you could actually fit. You should. You should definitely do a, an episode with Bam Bam over the Flying Monkey podcast. Oh man, you guys would. Fit I, I've been right on. In. I've been on the Flying Monkey. Yeah, I've been on the Flying Monkey once. I think twice. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think let's say once for sure. Um, but uh, okay. <laughs> So, and the one one thing that I think Adam was going towards um, is uh, you always want to ask your TO, 100%, yeah. always, especially now, right? So, like, if you don't have the original GW model that, that they're currently selling, and it's, and it's um, if you have anything at all, third-party models, anything, period, um, the TO probably doesn't care how much you spent money on it wise or how much time it took. Um, you know, they've got a bottom line to defend and a reputation to protect, so... Mm-hmm. So always message that to. Yeah. Um, don't assume that because you spent a thousand dollars on your cool bloodthirster conversion, your cool third party Swedish bloodthirster conversion, <laughs> that every every to is going to let that slide. Like it's just, and make sure they do it well before the event. Don't oh, wait yeah, until yeah. the last minute because because um, uh, from my experience, you're you're, you're going to be part of the hundreds or or tens of people that's asking questions right up to the to the day of the event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey Adam, right. when do you see when do you see your, like the uh, the request for modeling pick up? <clears throat> is it like the day before? It picks up it... around around December usually. Okay. 
around the holidays is when it starts to pick up, especially in this year because it's in February. It'll probably really pick up in January. We'll get a lot of questions in general and in regards to either rules interactions or uh, models. Mm. Um, all right. Finally, last subject before we move on to the second half of the episode: uh, slow playing. Um, so I have a little, I have a little piece I want to say, and then we'll, we'll open the floor to Adam and Jason. Um, and that's slow playing in general exists, though ninety percent of the time when you see games end or slow playing happen it's probably someone's probably not cheating um now having said that the the rest of the time like um i, I know people like to use this joke a lot like 10 percent of the time it happens 100 percent of the time um but, <laughs> it's true but, but to drive that point home um it depends on who you're playing and what time of the tournament you're playing um now i'm not going to call anyone out because this is this is very important but there are there are a cadre of 40k players who consistently make the top tables. Um, and then one thing that you will know if you if you manage to hang out with with the, any group of elite 40k players is that they all tend to like talk about each other and hang out with each other, right? Like um, at, at uh, Adepticon, like Nick Rose, Frankie, Reese, myself. I'm not a top player. I was I was you know I was just <laughs> happened to be brushing no. elbows with good players. You just hang out with them. Right, right, but because um, because I'm a part of that scene, uh, but they they all we all hung out, we all drank together, and had a great time at Adepticon, and that happens across the board across all the consistent top players you see, and so what you get from that is that there are players who who will try to slow play you, like it, it's just it just the way they go about this, and the reason why I want to bring this up is because if you're playing top players or or if you're playing players who really want to win, slow playing is one of those few times. Or one of those few things that that are just so hard to to pinpoint, and figure out, and at the same time, it, it's it's very it, you know it's ingrained in in a lot of those players' minds or in some of those top players' minds, like how how to take advantage of time so that they win. Um, so, for example, four four years ago, there was a player um, who I was talking to, and I, I reached out to him. And this was before I I wasn't I was it was my first LVO, so I wasn't like a member of frontline gaming or anything. I was just a player mm -hmm. and I was talking to this guy and it looked like he was losing. Right. And it was, it was like turn two. This is sixth edition. It's like turn two. And I was like, Hey man, yeah. You know, how are you doing? He's like, it's not too well. Turn two he's losing. Um, and then I came back at the end of the round and I was like, how'd your game go? And he's like, I won. And I was like, that's, that's insane that you won. How did you win that? And he's like, gave me a real smug grin. was like, I played for turn three. <laughs> it, 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 like, Eye rolling, like at the time when when I first, because this was my first LVO was my first big tournament. So at the time I was like, I was like, oh geez, like I, I come from a Magic the Gathering background, mm -hmm. which is very cutthroat. So I was yeah. like, this guy, this guy's crafty, right? But now it's it's so eye rolling that that whenever I use it, like it just, I just like use it to get eye rolls from people and the reactions because because that's what it was. It was like it's like come on, man, like you you played for turn three. This is a that's an example of someone clearly slow playing to win the game. And, and there are different ways that players do that, right? So uh, another thing that I heard that players, top players do, or, or just players in general, um, is they ask you questions on your turn. Yes. Uh, and the reason why this is relevant now is because of chess clocks. So if you ask, if your opponent asks, starts asking you a bunch of questions on your turn, uh, it wastes your clock time, right? They're like, oh, mm -hmm. what is, wh how, how many inches is a bolt gun again? Could you, could you show me that, <laughs> right? Um, and and this, these are rare instances, but I, I'm telling you guys this, because I feel like slow playing is the final pr frontier we need to tackle as a community to 
to become a legitimate professional, you know, 40 gaming event, gaming thing to be taken seriously. I feel like so so that's why I'm I'm being so descriptive about this. Mm-hmm. Um it's not to give you guys ideas, it's it's actually quite the opposite. Um so so people will do that with with chess clocks. They'll they'll like they'll try to waste time on your turn. And and the only way and what what top players also say um to help each other out because obviously 90% of the top players who know about all these things, they know who all these players are who who tend to slow play or or um be a little shady like they know who all these guys are. Um, and it's not always true across the board. Like sometimes it, it, there's like relationships and drama and and weird little like clicks and things. And like certain players try to like slow play other teams. It's it's all crazy. It's all politics. Is really what it is. <laughs> it's top players across the board. It's all politics. Like it's insane. But um, uh, you know, is is that they'll also help each other out with tips, right? So some of the tips I've gotten is no matter what if your opponent's trying to like talk to you and kind of like get you off your game either to slow play you or or anything for that matter like just any questions that they ask just hand them your book you know if if they're if they're like how much how what's what's the range of a bolt gun again what you do is when they press the chess clock on your time because they want you to like use time for example you you just say here here's my book press the time back on them and then have them find it for you like just just something simple like that or just something like like, hey man, why don't you look this up while I roll these dice? Like, just be be courteous, but be but always be in a position to move the game and proceed the game forward and progress the game. Um, and that's always what you have to do. And, and I know that doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, it doesn't. But th- this is a competitive 40k podcast, and um, you know, it, it's the difference between like turn uh, even like turn five and turn six, right? So like, if you really need the game to go to turn six, because a lot of people would say that like turn five. I'm sure you guys agree with me. If a game goes to turn five, someone probably didn't slow play, right? Like, it's safe to say, like, it's hard to argue that someone slow played if the game ended on five. But sometimes you need that game to go to turn six. So these are our time-saving tips as well. Um, If you need that game to go to turn six because you know you can win on turn six, but you can't win on five, right? So so just just keep that in mind. Um, Clock management is going to be very important. Um, And that's all I wanted to say on that subject. Uh, Adam and Jason? Um, for me, <clears throat> it's weird because I was just thinking about it recently, whereas I don't recall it being a big issue back in 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, John actually would have more more uh, knowledge about 5th edition since he, he played it a lot more than I did. But in 3rd and 4th, I t- time was never an issue. We got to 6 turns, everything was done. Um, so I don't know, and I don't think the time, we still had 2 hours, I think we only had 2 hours, 2.5 hours for each game in RTTs and in GTs. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the way 6th edition was is built or the way it, the, the rules interact. Um, I, but for some reason, this the, this time issue seems to be more of a, of a phenomenon recently within the last uh, five years as opposed to previous editions. Um, uh, we, we, we see a lot of... I, 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 for me, I probably know the same people that you do uh, or even even that Jason does that that mm-hmm. tend to slow play or I know a couple players that are not at least privately they've mentioned that they that certain games they're like oh this game's not going to get get past turn three so they already know or they're already planning for it. Um, some players won't admit it until they've already won. You know we've seen yeah, that yeah. you know yeah. and 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 but some of it's unintentional. I played someone and he took forty five minutes for his. Uh, 45 minutes for his one turn but it sped up towards the end and he know but he knows he has to speed up 
Um, I'm not I'm not particularly fast because I talk too much, as you can tell. <laughs> so so I think I think as we start using the chess clocks, I think people just need to be more cognizant of how much time they actually use. And I think the chess clock, as much as a pushback as we've been getting in some areas, is probably going to help people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that is what. Um, in, in terms of slow play, I think it's important right now. It's 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 one of the things that needs to be addressed. Uh, most of us recognize that. And I think the chess clocks, and if you combine the chess clocks with, with, with uh, lengthening the amount of time you get to play, uh, will help with that. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely the same opinion uh, as, as Adam. Uh, uh, we actually started using chess clocks here locally at our RTTs. He had a guy that had been to this was going to be his first tournament playing with his chess clock and the number one thing he took away from using the chess clock was it made me it made me not analyze every single move i just had to move because i didn't have enough time for a decision to be made and and in my book you know to make competitive 40k more viable more entertaining to watch and everything uh there has to be that sort of drama of just going with your gut because when you when you're playing football or when you're watching you know, Pablo's favorite team, the Patriots, play, <laughs> and <laughs> of course it's the Patriots. Is that your favorite team or is it the Chargers? I don't remember. Oh no, we don't we don't talk about the Chargers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because we don't talk about them here in LA either. Oh in LA, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, uh, but you know, uh, you know that quarterback has a split second decision to, to throw the ball to the flat or throw it deep. And so with 40K, uh, eventually, I think I think we're going to go to shorter round times when it comes to competitive play because we want to see those players actually uh, make those instinct moves instead of, you know, thinking for five minutes on, on where to move. Mm-hmm. It, yes, I agree if it's important, but uh, I think maybe in the future you could see, you know, competitive 40K being like, like uh, a game of chess. Yeah. And, and you know which what? Which would be cool. Those, yeah, oh yeah. And those top players, they can finish games. I, I yep. can guarantee you, if you were like, if you were like, hey, Sean Nade and Nick Nadavati, you have an hour and a half to finish your top table game at the LVO. They, they might grumble, but those guys are intelligent enough to do it. They're intelligent mm-hmm. and experienced enough to do it, right? They, they will definitely, they will definitely grumble and not like it. But, but if it was like, like down to the wire, like, hey, this needs to happen, they will, they can do it. They're very capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all right, guys. Well, I think I think that's all the time we have. Um, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to the ITC floor rules. Um, I, I think we'll just have to cover those when the when they come out and get officially announced. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Adam and and Adam and Jason, thank you very much for coming on. No problem. No problem. Uh, Thanks for having us. If you guys if you guys want to hear more from Adam, uh, there there are tons of different places you guys can hear from him. <laughs> you go to tfgradio.com or is it dot com or dot net? It's dot com. Dot com. Tfgradio.com. You can also go to frontlinegaming.org where he has a great set of articles called the GW Grognard, which is, which is quickly becoming my favorite my favorite uh, toilet reading material. It's, um, it's, good. it's it, no, it's great. It's it, that's a compliment. That's like you know I've I've got I've got like my my alone time because as you guys know I'm a parent, so my alone time is very yeah. important to me. So yep. so you True. know I'm spending five minutes laughing reading a quick little article and thinking about it like it's just it's fun so um so you guys check that out adam's got a lot of good stuff uh also if you want to hear more from jason he occasionally appears on the flying monkey podcast um and you can also watch him on his twitch channels uh on ironhalo.com where you can watch battle reports yes yes 
And also right, uh, videos. So thanks. <laughs> oh, and videos too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you guys very much for coming on, no Adam problem. and Jason. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the second part of the episode right after the commercial break where Sean, Jeff, and myself talk about our Bay Area Open lists and what we expect to see at the BAO. Hello, everyone. PD Pop here to... Yes? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the po- the sponsors right now. Uh, sorry, guys. My, my daughter, Arbella, wanted to help me with this commercial. No, it's not your commercial. It's our commercial. You know what, kid? You're right. It's your commercial. But is it okay if I talk about our sponsors? And then you can nod your head if I sound good. Okay? Okay. So I'm here to talk about our sponsors, Frontline Gaming and and Broken Egg Games. Frontline Gaming, of course, is uh, the eternal sponsor of Chapter Tactics, where you can find all things 40k, including FLG mats, ITC terrain, secondhand shop service, painting commissions, and so much more. Also, Broken Egg Games, if you're looking for 40k templates to help your tournament needs, along with terrain, uh, templates for other games, <clears throat> and other odds, trinkets, and tokens, including wound counters, etc. Everything you need to up your game to the next level. All you need to do is click on the link on frontlinegaming.org in any of the show notes and you're it, that helps out the podcast and that's it thanks very much for listening arbella how did i do she shook her head i guess i better quit podcasting forever anyways thanks very much for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of the episode here we are back with jeff and sean the one the only dynamic duo of the north are, are we really that dynamic? I don't know. You guys are like the the, the, the better... You guys are like in the top three podcast hosts on, on this podcast, mm. so pretty dynamic. <laughs> it's a rare honor right there. I think, I think, you, guys are, I think you guys are tied for first, actually, oh, wow. so, with, with Val. Uh, anyways, um, Jeff and Sean, uh, I brought them along to talk about the Bay Area Open. Uh, which, as you guys might have heard, is a tournament that Frontline Gaming has been running forever. So, yeah. well, for a while now. Uh, and uh, as Reese would say, it's the place where it all began, um, where, where fledgling Frontline Gaming was born, um, and where Reese kind of sowed his seed in the 40k community. Whoa. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's maybe a metaphor we don't want to delve too deep into. He, he has a lot of seed sowing, Sean. He's a He's a farmer 40k farmer oh, okay i guess that's better than the alternatives <laughs> uh, anyways um so i brought jeff and sean on because uh they are going to attend the event um and i expect i fully expect to see jeff at the top tables uh he usually is every year so i fully expect to see jeff at the top tables um and i fully expect to see sean there so <laughs> i feel uh, i feel greatly uh awarded by that <laughs> Well, you know what, Sean? I will I will race you for the title of the worst performance from a Chapter Tactics podcast host. Oh man! After BAO. my last couple of tournaments, you're going to have a hard fight on your hands. <laughs> we'll we'll see, man. Um, the, the reason why I'm also excited about the BAO is normally I'm I've uh, actually never been to a BAO and as a player. Um, normally I'm behind yeah. the scenes or or you know operating terrain, uh, running running things on the sidelines, uh, Facebook live streaming. Um, so this time I won't be doing any of that. 
I won't be Facebook live streaming. I will do my best to cover the event from a blog post on FrontlineGaming.org, um, but I will be playing. Um, so How did that I, kind of come to be, by the way, Pablo? Because normally you do judging as well and stuff. Yeah, so so last year it was it was kind of like our, our uh, last year, you know, eighth edition. It was the BA was like one of the the first eighth. It was the first eighth edition event that we had was last year, and we kind of mm-hmm. didn't know what it was going to be like. But recent Frankie told me that if eighth edition was if if they didn't need me as a judge, that I could play as a player for the following year. Oh, cool! That's cool. So, yeah. So um, recent Frankie, they they you know they're professionals. Um, they can handle it themselves, uh, and they were gracious enough to let me play in this year's BAO. Um, so I'm very excited. So this is my first BAO. Um, I'm pretty pumped. Um, I think I'm bringing an okay list. I'll share that with you guys a little bit later. Uh, but for now, Jeff and Sean, what are you guys bringing? You lead the way, Sean. All right. Well, BAO this year for me is actually kind of interesting uh, because I've kind of come full circle on my lists. Uh, last year I brought an Eldar Flyer list that was six Hemlocks and then a handful of other um, Shadow Spectres before they got nerfed, uh, you know, all that sort of thing. Basically just some of the Eldar good stuff at the time. And it did alright. Um, I wouldn't consider a particularly exciting performance, but it did alright for me. And that was right after they had just instituted the... Uh, boots on the ground rule. So there was definitely a couple of games where I was pretty close to getting tabled for not having any non-flyer models on the field. Um, but I kind of yeah. steered away from that list and uh, evolved into a bunch of other stuff as uh, more things came out for the Eldar Codex and for the game in general. Um, but I've I've kind of looped back around to a similar, if not exactly the same, army. Um, obviously I can't run six hemlocks anymore, that's not even an option, um, but I'm, I'm using a a list that is very close to one that I went to, uh, the ambassadorial, uh, GT with, and it's, uh, basically three crimson hunters with the star cannons, which is kind of the way I like them, uh, three hemlocks, and then a trio of wave serpents, each holding a unit of dark reapers and led by a farseer. Okay. So a lot of firepower, it? not a lot of multiple. Hell yeah! I mean, it's wow. it's that's just about all it's got room for. Um, I had I've played around with other versions that ran a battalion instead of the spearhead. Um, basically, you know, two units of Guardians and a unit of Dire Avengers, plus an Autark in place of all those uh, Dark Reapers. Um, but it's just, it doesn't feel like the Guardians sitting in the transports really do enough most games. They kind of just exist to stop me from getting tabled, which is not a particularly exciting unit to have around. Um, and it's, it's not a great way to throw the, you know, 200-odd points that you have at the end of the list there down. Um, so I'm testing it out with the Dark Reapers. I might backtrack on that one, but my, my game so far, I have liked them a little bit more, especially with the, the, uh, ITC terrain, because both BAO and LVO very much cleave to kind of like recent Frankies and probably most of the rest of FLG's, uh, uh, standard for terrain. We are seeing a lot of the big blocking ruins and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And having those Reaper launchers on the... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the Tempest launchers on the Reaper Exarchs 
is a huge boon there because those those 2d6 shots out of each got each of those guys can really mow down all those obnoxious little infantry units that are trying to hide out of line of sight yeah and that, that's a good that's a good well-performing list right now too like that's, I mean, that's it, a list that people it's are doing Eldar, really well so you know it's hard to be bad with Eldar. <laughs> um, that's true. Is it the one I, farseer you said then? Just the one farseer, yeah. yeah. Uh, on a bike or just in a transport, I guess. Just on on foot. Um, yeah. For a, I'd looked at a bike and I could probably free up, free up the points for him if I wanted, but I actually prefer him on foot for two big reasons. Um, first of all, he does not give up full points on Kingslayer. Oh, yeah. Um, which, you know, it's still three points, but a lot of people will get leery of not being able to get full points on an objective. And that kind of plays into the list's overall strategy of, like, just not giving up very many points, period. You know, you can get full points on Big Game Hunter pretty easily, but not much else. Yeah. Um, and the other half of that is he can hide inside a transport, which is actually really important with all those shield breaker missiles running around. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, the the ability to guarantee that he is going to be on the field and well not guarantee but more or less guarantee that he'll be he'll be able to pop out and do what I need him to on turn one is pretty big. And since none of the Eldar powers require line of sight to use, it's not too hard to sneak him behind some ruins or whatnot and make things difficult for the enemy. What are some of the matchups you kind of worry about with a list like this? Ooh, Tyranids are going to be rough. Um, yeah. A Tyranid list with big blocks of uh, the Hormagons and Termagants in it, if it's running like 90 or 120 of those, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, I can maybe box them in for a turn or two using all the flyer bases. And that's why I'm not really worried about Gene Stealers, because Gene Stealers basically just can't assault anything on turn one and... By the time they have a chance to, I've probably mowed down most of the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the big blocks of infantry that Tyranids can bring are very problematic. Um, and Tyranids also just have a lot of other good tools. You know, Hiveguard are obviously fantastic. Uh, tyrants are still great. There's no change there. So uh, Tyranids is definitely going to be a pretty bad matchup for me if I run into that. Um I'm also kind of worried about several of the chaos lists you're seeing these days that are running big hordes of infantry backed up by mm. um, demon princes, demon princes, or Mordian Martarian, or you know tons of sorcerers and Ariman and other stuff. Um, chaos lists are generally going to have a lot of expendable bodies to just sort of like suck up all my firepower, and then a lot of units casting smite, which do not care in the slightest about all of my two hit modifiers. Um, so that's certainly going to be a rough fight for me, even at the best of times. What what's the counterplay there for against those lists for your list? Do you, do you just kind of like pray that if they don't kill flyers or? Um, range is actually a big one um a lot of my lists can stick back at 24 or 36 and kind of ping away on the edges of their screen um strip what i can and kind of like dodge around the the big wherever they have sort of situated the main block their characters um and in theory at least pull some of those characters forward to the point where i can actually start hitting them because the, the, the demon princes and whatnot move faster than the screens, so mm-hmm. either they're slowing themselves down or they're uh, not getting to cast their smites on me in a lot of cases. Um, 
realistically speaking, a good player with that list is probably going to roll over me. You know, if I if I come up against Nick Nadavani with that, then he's he's going to smash me pretty hard. Um, but I think it, in this meta, you have to accept that there are some weaknesses that your list will have. Um, a big part of why I'm playing this is I think it has a strong gain against Dark Eldar, who mm. are maybe the tournament kings right now. Uh, yeah. And also Imperial Guard. Uh, minus two to hit is brutal for Imperial Guard. And, you know, I can essentially shut down their entire shooting phase if I go second. Yeah, oh. that makes sense. Jeff, what about you, man? Um, so this last weekend was an experiment, experimental weekend for me just in terms of I went to two tournaments. Hmm. Uh, there were smaller RTT tournaments, but some pretty good players there. And a lot of the, the meta lists that are getting played right now were featured. But the big question for me, of course, was I think if you're going to the BAO and you play six games, you're going to face seven nights, is, maybe. Right? Is BAO six this year or is it only five? I don't know. I, I think it's six. five. I, uh, oh, it's six. It's no, it's six because we six. end we end early and then and then there's no top eight. Yeah, it's it's six. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I was worried when I was I, when I thought it was only five because it's like that's not enough for that many people to really get a, a true winner out. But okay. yeah, sorry to have diverged things there. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, just that you're going to face a lot of knights, and I think yeah. custodians in particular have. I wouldn't say a hard time with knights necessarily, but a dangerous time. Because if, mm. if knights get a couple of charges off on you, for, for instance, which, again, is not necessarily the kind of thing where, like, you have a say in that. I'll talk about that in a second. But, like, if you make a mistake and knights jump on top of one or two of your units, you can be in a lot of trouble. So that's why I kind mm. of, in consideration of that, wanted to get away from the, the big custody list that everyone's doing these days or some variation of it, which is, like, a unit of eight bikes and then two of three or four or something, something along the lines of like 15 bikes. I think that's a really good list, but I do think it can run into a situation where somebody dooms it and shoots it with 10 Reapers or some mm -hmm. Hemlocks or a couple of Knights do get that charge off. You know, you, you got, you're looking for fives rerolling against a Knight, but wouldn't you have it, your, your dice go cold and you just don't kill the Knight or it blows up and then it's D6 morals to everybody. Then the other two gallons charge into you, that kind of stuff. I don't want to lose a game that way. Um, so I was going with a more tactical custodial list. So my list is uh, that, that I ran this past weekend that I've been kind of theorizing and working on and practicing with is two battalions. It's the typical guard battalion with three infantry squads with mortars, two company commanders, and that's it. Um, no heavy weapons teams, nothing like that. And then I have an auxiliary of a Calexis because I think if you play custodies, but really if you're playing anything Imperial, you should take a Calexis. Yeah, that guy is a game changer. In the ITC, I think there's very few things that score as well as a Calexis Assassin. If I had more points, I'd, I'd have more of them, but just the one at least is fine. And then I'm running a Custodes Battalion with a Shield Captain on bike, a unit of five bikes, a unit of four bikes, three by three spears, and then motherfucking Trahan himself, which was oh, the biggest... Oh, wow. bringing him. You are bringing him. Yeah, oh, it was a, yeah. It was a big question mark, so that's what this weekend was. It was his little tryout. I've been playing him. Um, it's been good, but... And I say all of this absolutely aware of the fact that it's not necessarily the mega top tier answer. Like, I think strictly speaking, a shield captain on a bike probably is better. Um, but it's kind of funny because it's like, it's not 60-40 better. It's like different kinds of better. Um, the mobility is fantastic. The fly is fantastic, obviously. Um, it gets you around and gets you that reroll one bubble better. 
Trahan at 250 is probably a little bit too expensive, but only a little bit. And his reroll ones to wound bubble can be absolutely absurd with yeah, uh, that custody thing is really Daka. good. I, I faced him once uh, a while back by a, you know, middling player and mm -hmm. was like consistently impressed by how much work that did. Yeah. And, and what's funny about him, too, is he has a little bit of the Swarmlord effect, too. Uh, deservedly so, but it's, it's, it's that he is so striking and scary that he attracts a lot of attention. And I always do Victor of the Blood games on him and the Shield Captain, mm -hmm. which means I have a lot of rerolls going on. Um... The really yeah. funny trick, obviously, is if for some reason a disastrous thing happens, I can reroll with Victor the Blood Games, Command Point, and Grand Strategist to make him a three up invul, rerolling three dice in one phase. If that to everything to but Maliceptors. <laughs> yeah, well, old Mali, it's out there, stalking around. But um, he attracts a lot of attention. He gives a lot of force multipliers, and then the strength ten, five attacks, and potentially swinging twice is actually an incredible swinger as well like uh it's yeah. not it's not nine attack or something absolutely absurd um but he's he's hitting on twos rerolling ones wounding most things on twos or threes rerolling ones as well so very often he's hitting five times wounding five times and killing three or four things yeah um what's the damage on on the weapon d3 all custodies okay yeah. so so he does have he does have arguably more damage output than like a, a shield captain in close combat Oh, yeah, absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the difference same between number of strength attacks 6 and strength, strength 8. Or yeah, strength, yeah. strength 10, yeah, that's that really, okay. like, can give things a bad time. Yeah, yeah, and if you're worried about knights, he's definitely a custodes unit that, that helps you out. Yep, even their shooting, because um, the unit of 5 puts out 60 Hurricane Bolter shots. <laughs> um, you're seeing a lot of Warglaves and Hel Helverns right now as well. Uh, so if I can wound something on a 5 rearing 1s, I'm doing something in the ballpark of, like, 14 to 20 wounds and oh even on a three up you're going to be taking quite a few of them um mm. against the knight obviously it's a lot less than that it's 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 somewhere in the ballpark of anywhere between like six ten you know an amazing roll is like 12 and they're only going to take three or four wounds off of that but those three or four is actually a pretty big deal because then when the fi the five-man bike charges in with a couple of characters that will usually drop a knight but only just so uh, and only with really good rolls too um so they need to be around they need to be durable but what I really like about the list is it gives me access to a lot of the better stratagems. So Custodes Infantry have, and I'll talk about a couple of the tricks here. And I, I'm doing this knowing that this could cost me in the tournament, but I, I appreciate <laughs> being more of an educator as opposed to a, strictly a champion. Uh, yeah. But the Tanglefoot Grenade only comes off of Custodes yeah. Infantry, and it's absolutely incredible. And one of my favorite uses for it that really I've absolutely swung and won games off of this alone is you get into combat with something say a knight that can reliably leave that combat if it moves 10 inches like a dominus does the tanglefoot grenade is minus d6 to movement uh so the knight's actually a bad example because it can move 10 so it's a little bit weird of a situation if you get to pull this off but let's say it's another unit where the normal movement is six inches if i roll a five or six you can't leave combat and then that turn where they relied on the the guys falling back and then shooting that unit they now can't do that and now i'm killing their unit probably on their turn and then charging you know later uh or, or acting on my turn which is just an incredible swing ability yeah um and i've been just i've just been destroying people with that too the other thing too that i, I like about this and I, this is one of the things i was talking about as well one of the best deterrents to knights is they'll get up pretty close like they'll have you know a seven or eight inch charge and they'll be like well i'll make that but then you hit him with a tangle foot and that seven or eight inch charge becomes on 11 12 or or an impossible 13 
And all of a sudden, the knight's now hanging out in the middle of Custodyville when it was expecting to have mulched a unit, right? Uh, so that's one of the better tricks in the in the book for custodians. You only get access by by having infantry units. You can't do it off the bikes. Do, do you have guardian spears too? Yeah, three units of three. So and then they get plus one to wound, right? Yeah, which is not bad. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's definitely a great stratagem. Um, I think the the way like they're what's so funny about custodian guard is that because the bikes attract so much attention, they're always around. Um, yeah. And my list also, kind of like Sean's, does a really good job of making it very difficult to pick um, ITC objectives. So very often people end up picking... Oh, that... Okay. My mind got scattered. I had this other cool thing I was going to talk about. I'll get back to that in a second. Uh, but it's really funny because they'll pick old school against me a lot of the time. But with my guard, my my uh, Kadian guard just like hiding in forests and just being... Like they're just like eating canned beans and just chilling for most of the game. <laughs> They end up they end up shooting um, custodian spear guys, hoping to get first strike, but they almost never do. It's it's very very hard to do that. Um, so I deny that as well and kind of bait them into it. But one of the things I was going to talk about that's also a big boon to Trahan, and this is this is actually Jeff being so nice, by the way, because this is this would be the dick move to pull on people. That's really really awesome. Trahan's fixed warlord trait is that all custodians within twelve inches of him can heroically intervene. Oh. it's an amazing trait but yeah. in my list it's never a question i always take grand strategist i always i always take guard there's not going to be a situation really where i don't take that mm-hmm. but with shoulder the mantle the very few times someone does end up killing my uh com- company commander i make trey hand the warlord obviously to deny warlord but then i also and i always explain it by the way i'm not i'm not that kind of guy i go here's his warlord trait this is what it is now and i always go oh, okay cool um but then I t- he has a fixed Warlord trait, he takes that Warlord trait, and if there is any Custodies that survive at that stage of the game, which there very often is a- at least a few, it is absolutely absurd, the the, the tomfoolery you can pull out with that. Yeah. Um, 12 yeah. inches, as we know, is a, is a large distance, and heroically intervene is huge. <laughs> the- yeah, for, for those of you who are not aware, the heroic intervention rules are really stupid. Your yeah. opponent doesn't even have to charge you, and you can heroically intervene into things that did not charge. Yeah. Um, so re- read the heroic intervention rules. Make sure you understand what they actually say, because yep. they're stupid. I, I love it, the precedent. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick, I just love the precedent yeah, that ahead. sets for, for Trajan. Just like, hey, is, is the commander dead yet? He's like, like <laughs> you know, stomping his feet head down ready to charge mm-hmm. like is he dead yet no no he's dead okay let's let's go in let's go in on these tau before they can overwatch the other I, kind yeah. of funny one that catches people off guard a little bit too and i i think it's it's a chicken and egg argument so i can kind of see where the confusion comes from too but you'll play like a tau player where they're obviously not assaulting anything but then you'll heroically intervene anyways and they're like but there's no assault phase and i was like yes there yeah. was there still well, is an assault phase yeah you just didn't and... participate I, I don't like the ruling a lot of tournaments have made on that one. I'm honestly hoping that GW erratas the heroic intervention rules because they're they're just a mess. Don't you uh, play Tau? I do, <laughs> but honestly, like my it hurts my Tau less than most things because I don't ever stay three inches from anything with Tau. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> you He's don't want to be wrong. It's weird, I, and I guess specifically what people need to know is the weird part. And it's it's funny because I still educate people on this every time I play. But the, there's this weird inherent belief that heroic intervention only occurs in the area of an actual charge. So people are like, the character in that yeah. area can declare a, hero- a heroic intervention. 
when that is in fact not what the rule says. It just says that at the end of Assault, you can just declare a heroic intervention with any character as long as they're within three inches of an enemy model. So mm-hmm. it really catches some people off guard. At, the, at, the, at this stage of the game, if you're playing a seasoned player, they know about this, but um, a lot of times in my first couple of rounds, there's still people that are just like, what are you doing? And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, this guy, 76 inches, which is obviously impossible, but this guy 100,000 miles away from the actual fight you just declared is going to horrifically intervene to these five scouts you left next to me. Mm-hmm. Right. You heard a story him. about a guy who charged, and he decided it was his time. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's it's really super abusable between the character rule and and like for example i use my blood angels captain i give him the relic the jump pack relic so he can't be overwatched and so what i'll do is i'll have mephiston and celestine like line up right on the line but so they don't eat overwatch and then it gets like a tau gun line for example and then i'll just have the blood angels captain charge in tie some stuff up and then i'll just have them heroically intervene later on the unit that my blood angels captain tied up yeah on my opponent's turn so it's like and if you get like a unit of scouts or something in there too, you can try point a model and then make it so that they can't shoot any of those characters because the scouts are the closest unit in <laughs> combat. And then yeah. you heroic intervene with Celestine and Mephistana on their turn. And it, it just like, it creates this like really weird, like, I'm sorry, but I got you yeah. with these combat trick scenarios. And it, it, I, I do see, I, it's stupid. I think, I think heroic dimensions probably, you should at least be able to overwatch them or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know how you fix it, but uh, I do agree that it's silly, but I do like, at the same time, the way close combat has turned into like this more of this finesse. You know, you have to be careful with your movement, and you have to mm-hmm. really uh, know how to charge part of the game. It is. It's, yeah, I agree. Really um, good players show themselves off there. I, I had the most custody moment ever uh, in the tournament yesterday. It was a really close game against my buddy who's playing Death Watch, um, but he had two Xiphon Interceptors kind of in my lines on his turn. <laughs> He also deep struck a kill team or whatever. They got closest to my company commander. They shoot him up in the face. I then shoulder the mantle over to Trahan, who's in the middle of the whole mess. And then one unit of my bikes horrifically intervened into one of his Zyphon interceptors, and the Ooh. other one declared swooping assault into the other one. Yikes. And in his and in his turn, he got charged by my bikes and then horrifically intervened and lost both the flyers, and the game completely swung around. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. And then, and you're also on top of that. You're also like 12 inches closer to where you want to be, too. Cause oh, it's gigantic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you move and then you move and then you pile in afterwards, and it's just well, yeah, time's a resource in this game too. So like every mm-hmm. unit that you invest a lot of points into, if for one turn it whiffs or doesn't get a kill, mm-hmm. that means that you're one turn down from them potentially doing what they're supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you're able to kill something in your opponent's turn, which is the classic kind of interceptor scenario. Uh, or Overwatch with, like, Tau Overwatch, then it becomes this weird... That unit can go, like, through the roof in value, or at least yeah. make up for mistakes mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. I get that as Tau a lot. Like, people will be like, well, I only have two guys left in this squad. I may as well charge your gun line. And I'm like, you really shouldn't, because yeah. I still need to shoot those two guys on my turn if you just yep. leave them there. But, yeah, you know, absolutely. give me a free shooting phase, I guess. Thanks. So I like the list a lot. I, I'm really, really happy with it. Knights was the big question mark, but I, I killed a whole bunch of them, and it felt very strategic. It, obviously, if I make a mistake and a knight runs wild, I'm going to have a really, really bad time. And I think on paper it's not the scariest list, but what I like about it is it, I feel like as long as I play smart and I play well, um, I can beat anything with it, as opposed to if I took the high-powered, mostly bike list. I think that, that list is scarier on paper, but it... Um, 
has worse matchups where it doesn't matter how strategic I am. It just at some point comes down to the two of us butting heads and I can lose in that scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guard, like I have 21 custodian models in this list too, which is a lot more than I think people are used to dealing with. And they all have different kind of synergistic stuff that they can do. So it's, yeah, it's really, really good. I, yeah. I have uh, one little thing I'm curious about. Yeah. Uh, you're not running the uh, Vexilla guy on that list. Do you do you not find him to be useful most of the time? Or? No, he's he's fantastic. Um, it honestly it, it came down to one less bike and then you know him. Like I don't have any wiggle room in the custodian guard or excuse me in the imperial guard portion of it. It's just the five sure. points extra on each infantry. Yeah. And I think denying Reaper is bigger there. And I still do want some mortars because that still is fairly nice. Um, and then I think if you get below four on a bike unit, it stops serving the purpose. Like, they're not scary to a knight at that point in time. They lose one or right. two bikes, and then they're just kind of running for their lives for the rest of the game. So I know it's it's a kind of invisible threshold that I've made up for myself, but I found in my games that that's kind no, of the I, way it is. I agree. Like, the, the minimum unit of Vertus bikes is just is not as scary to a lot right. of things yeah they're fast oh. they can kill some the, the little stuff but if you don't have any big hammer then you're kind of in trouble yeah. but to your point the vexla uh magnifica is just absolutely amazing and i think if i didn't if i wasn't running the battalion if i didn't have access to infantry mm-hmm. the argument for not having it goes down the drain i think you absolutely do have to have it sure did you ever consider any? Uh, this is a little offbeat, but do yeah. you ever consider like the Laris Terminators or anything else in the Codex? Uh, I'm I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that I actually haven't played any games with them yet. I have a bunch painted up, and they are pretty cool. I I, I do agree that, pretty strictly speaking, they are just they're, they're just worse than Virtus Praetors. Um, so I don't think I would ever take them to a tournament just yet. But I I I am in a league as I'm in two leagues actually, one of which is Custodes. And I definitely plan on using them and just seeing how they feel. Hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, I guess I'll talk about my list real quick. Um, yeah, Bob, you're on the spot. So, so uh, basically, I've been I've been talking about this list a few times on the podcast. Um, it's the same list I've been running. I've been running it for for um, a while now, or variations of it. it. All started with Nova when I ran uh, Grey Knights Guard and um, Space Marines. Kind of like that was kind of the iteration. Mm-hmm. But but basically. What it is now, it's it's uh, Sisters of Battle detachment with three units of Seraphim with Melta pistols, uh, a Blood Angels detachment with a Smash Captain, Mephiston, three units of Scouts, and three Scout Bikers. And then in that detachment, I also have one unit of nine Sanguinary Guard and one unit of nine Death Company. Um, and then wow. the Death Company have two Thunder Hammers and two Axes, though Ooh. I might change that. Uh, and then I have a Guard detachment with, with one large unit of Conscripts, um, two infantry squads, the company commander, and a primary psyker, and then one unit of mortars that I had 33 points left over for. <laughs> um, and and the, the, Celestine, Celestine leads oh, yeah. the... Celestine okay. leads the... Yeah, yeah, sorry. Do, does she have her two lady friends, or is she <laughs> no. alone? No, no. no the, okay. the two lady friends, I just I just don't... Every, everything, because it's a very hyper-MSG army, so a lot of things are like sub-100 points, um, mm-hmm. and, and so, so I kind of have to look at everything cost-effectively, and I just... I. I think about like a twenty-five point Gemini, and like that could be a priest or or most of a mortar team. Or it's just I always find more efficient things to do hmm. with to find than just the Gemini. And they they, they do bleed points. Like I, I want to discourage my opponent from picking Celestine as much as possible because um really if you don't pick Kingslayer with her with and, and gets me if you don't pick Kingslayer when you 
when you're picking your lists, like she she will become this devastating suicide disruptive device that that just like I have no there's no reason why I don't run her into your throat run her down your throat like she's she's right. just too good right so well, I think unfortunately she is kind of she always bleeds points there's no real yeah. way around that yeah but but you know a lot of a lot of people don't pick Kingslayer on her against me with that list wow. hmm. um, yeah it, it's she's such an easy pick for that <sighs> yes yeah it, it's definitely true uh, people tend to take um, old school against me um mm. yeah, headhunters off all the obvious one like head headhunters yeah. always like oh you've got four characters that come into my face like sure i'll just take headhunter um so headhunters like usually watch obvious. what's up how you liking the death watch element to your list the so I, that's actually that's actually the trial um so originally i had cyclopses and those are kind of like my baby <laughs> unit like oh i'm going to stubbornly <laughs> run these um and they were they were okay the, what they would do is they were t6 three up save models that took basically my opponent's first turn of shooting away um but that's all they were doing was they were just mm-hmm. kind of eating first turn shooting and i found myself more and more just like not you know i needed something late game because the this list had a problem with with getting to turn 4 and turn 5 with enough models to close out the game um, so I went with the Death Company, which I don't know if it was the best choice. Um, I had essentially 200 points to play around with. Um, I went with the Death Company to keep the Blood Angels theme, and I love the models anyways. Um, mm. So we'll see how it works. Uh, but basically, the way the list works is you you double move Celestine up, you double move Mephiston up with the Psychic Power, you double move the Death Company up. Um, you can use a stratagem to teleport the, the Sanguinary Guard anywhere on the board, turn one, if they start on the board. Um, and then you can give them a 3d6 inch charge move from there. Uh, and then you double move the conscript blob up with the primary psyker. And then he just gives them either plus one to save or minus one to hit, depending on my opponent's army. Um, and then I essentially have most of my army in my opponent's face turn one. And then I, I overload them with threats and then I win with combat tricks. That's, that's one way to play it. Um, mm-hmm. The reason why I like it is it's very versatile. I can also play it very cagey, kind of like an Eldar player, which is kind of what I was going for. I was kind of going for like a a list that plays like Eldar with a lot of tricks, um, but any mistakes I make cost me greatly because a lot of my models aren't very durable. Yeah, um, once so, you actually start taking wounds, your stuff is going to fold up fairly yes. quickly. Yeah, and that, that's what all my friends are telling me too. I, I don't think I don't think I'm a good enough player to win with this list. Um, but what I like about it is <laughs> every is every it's just it's just the truth. That's the the reason why I've been playing so, trying to get so many reps with it. Um, but the the reason why I like it so much is like Jeff feels with his list so i feel like i can take on any list with it and win yeah um, you definitely got solutions there yeah so so it just it just like every game i've lost it it's just come down to to i just got outplayed or i made a mistake in terms of like I, it never came down to luck and i never felt like i got outlisted um so you know it's just i love playing with all the models so so that's kind of the the theme there um i'm really worried about knights uh i i should get I should get more reps with knights. Unfortunately, there's just no knight players in our area, um, and I wow. have knights, and I just like, I just you know, you're gonna I just, see a million of them, man. I know, yeah. I know. Like for example, I, I almost cut the company commander to just run like something else, but um, I, I decided to keep him because because if he if he takes if he takes a command point away from my opponent, um, and also a shot from a knight, I feel like I can get in the knight player's face quick enough to to mitigate any other damage that knight does but it's rough it's like it's i was not prepared for model wise for for knights coming onto the scene um i probably should have brought a knight but i i ultimately went against that 
because mm. everyone's going to be gunning for a night. And Absolutely. The only, yeah. So so the only yeah. thing that I could take out for a night, I feel, would be feasible would be the, the sister detachment. Um, I mean, I you, could... So what's going to be funny is that the BAO terrain, and this will help if there's anybody traveling in to, that's listening to this, if they have a chance, or if they just don't know from years past, it's very good terrain. It's not quite LVO in the sense that there's a bunch of buildings and, and mm-hmm. lots of line of sight blocking, but there's going to be a lot. There is going to be... We should take a family picture. There's going to be 300 Blood Angel captains running around with hammers yes. and shields. Yeah. And one of those guys can, if not outright kill a knight, at least get it very close to being dead reliably. I'm not even talking about good dice. It's just yeah. like, it yeah. will do that. The, the BA captain, like... If you have the command points to either make him fight a second time, or if the knight dances all over you and kills you, then you use only death does duty end. Um, he should be able to charge most any knight and kill it, unless you yeah. get pretty bad dice, or you do not have enough command points to do those things. And honestly, you should. Blood angels are so command point hungry, you need to be having plenty to feed into them. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, like I, if you I can agree. make it past the first couple of rounds, you'll be okay on nights. The the scary yeah. list then becomes like Brandon Grant's, um, you know, Castellan with guard. That's going to be the more yeah, common that's thing. So, that list yeah. is rough. Uh, <coughs> Brandon's running that. Mitch is Mitch Pelham is running a uh, a very similar list and has taken some GT level events with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're going to see a lot of guard backed by a knight and either blood angels or shield captains uh, because having like a big shooty thing, a whole bunch of bodies to hold the field, and a couple really smashy characters is just it's a fantastic strategy it's it's, it's the so classic good. imperium just kind of like take all the good things av- available to your main faction yeah yeah i agree um that's that's going to be one of the higher performing lists at the bao and um i yeah I, I just don't i just don't know um i know jeff's list is actually can actually beat up on a guard list with the the custodians oh, yeah. do a lot of work against guard um those hurricane but, bolters are, especially with that reroll ones, like they yeah. chew guard to pieces. Yeah, I think I think what what I've been telling myself, hopefully this works out, is that a knight castellan is just like every other big scary single thing that people have been running for editions now. It's just mm-hmm. like it's gonna it's gonna be hard to kill. It's going to you know kill things uh, one thing a turn. It might whiff one turn, so like. Cool if that happens, cool. But ultimately, I think I just have to ignore the Knight Castellan and then just play the objective game and win that way. I think I'm just gonna have to play that the way I would play like the old Wraith Knights or like a Storm Surge or a Double Storm Surge or like the Townar or whatever, hmm. whatever big scary thing. They're all the same if you think about well, it. And I think my my recommendation because um, for those of you who know who Shaylin is, she's one of the top GK players. I play her all the time and travel to tournaments with her um she plays a very similar list to yours basically minus the guard plus gray knights yeah um and the way she has sort of learned to handle knights is you don't need to kill them turn one you just need to hide from them turn one and then turn two you can start getting in and getting charges and like that castellan looks scary but if you put two shield captains into it oh he's done or yeah he just he's gonna go down pretty easy um, yeah, it's it's very tough against shooting, but it folds up as soon as you start putting melee into it. Yep, hmm. that's my that's my goal. Now, if I run into like three knight gallants backed by a horde <laughs> of guard, 
Like I think I think I'm in a lot of trouble then. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, that's an interesting that list. The quintessential yeah. gatekeeper list. Like that is yeah. Sean. It would have true. an extremely tough, if not impossible, time against you. Yeah, against me. I, I, that's a scary list. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. I'm, I almost I'm brought that too. I was so close. I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna bring three knights and a bunch of guard, and then just like it's a good list. Play gatekeeper. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, not it's fast. Quite the top end, I don't think. No, no, yeah. That that's why I didn't I didn't take three knights and a bunch of guard or three knights and Gilliman. Yeah, so, well, Eldar would just destroy it. Like it just wouldn't even be funny. Oh yeah, yeah. It, would, it would. I would lose like like round day two. I might be three and zero if I was lucky day two, and then I would just have to like get drunk and you know <laughs> ignore <laughs> ignore the rest of the ignore mm. the rest of the the tournament because I'm not gonna do well. Um, yeah. Right. Jeff, how how do you feel your your list uh, plays against Dark Eldar? Because I'm actually a little curious there. Dark Eldar, in my opinion, is maybe the list to beat it or mm-hmm. that guard list we were talking about. So you know, assuming you're coming against coming up against the big boy list, what, yeah. do, what do you think your chances are like? What do you do? Uh, so I really, I actually on paper like the matchup, but I say that having like the few a, a few of the only losses I've taken in the last few months has been to Dark Eldar. Yeah, and each time really it's been, it's been me under respecting the combo, obviously of Doom Jinx and then the, the fire output they can put out. Yeah, um, the Dark Eldar elements themselves are really really nice, but they don't necessarily pair up against Custodes too horrifyingly. Like mm-hmm. Poison, I'm getting my two ups. Um, their high powered shots aren't particularly scary. Their close combat doesn't bother me. And then the two up invul on the Archon obviously is afraid of Daka, which is what Custodes puts out better than most. Mm-hmm. So I feel pretty good about that, but then you mix in the Farseer and any element of um, those powers, and yeah. I've had my like custody arrogance and been like, no, I'll I'll be fine, and then they just obliterate a unit, and I'm like, well, yeah, hang on here, and then the mobility and surprising durability of Dark Elder really catches me off guard. So I'm hoping to play more intelligently, and that's exactly what the Collectus is there as well, is to zone out, mm-hmm. make it a little bit less likely if I can get. If I can stop them from getting um, mostly Doom, uh, obviously Doom and Jinx are the are the pair that's scary, but mostly yeah. Doom. If, if if I can prevent that, I should be okay. And his bubble was eighteen inches, isn't it? Yep. So yeah, you can kind of just like stick him right with the custodies, and mm-hmm. if you're pushing Doom and Jinx up to casting on nines, that's just not going to happen. It just yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it, another thing. Another thing I, I learned about Dark Eldar is um. Their Cabal, the Blackheart stratagem, bad Dark Eldar players will will spam that stratagem. Oh, um, yeah. So so a lot of Imperium players uh, that I've been talking to have just said like when you're playing Dark Eldar, just sp- out out command point them. Like they're yep. they, you know if they use three Darkheart stratagems that that already sets them up with no command points like turn mm-hmm. two or three, right? Yeah, so and it, then you you're a guard player, so you have you have like a billion command points turn one, so. So you, yeah, you can fine. play the the command point attrition game way better than they can, and uh, Jeff's list at least is not really reliant on any stratagems after the game begins. Like they're good, but they're not critical to its functioning. So you know, if he's trying to shut down your stuff, you kind of just don't care a lot of the time. Yeah, right. and, and Jeff has thirteen command points with the command point battery, yeah. so he should well, be fine. Minus uh, one for the Colexus. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah the Colexus. Yeah, but so that's I mean, still quite a lot. Yeah, that, yeah. that should be fine. Um, yeah, the, Dark Eldar—they're—they're they're just a really solid army. Like anyone who's who's worried about Dark Eldar playing pure Dark Eldar, list, you just have to—you just have to play your best. Um, they 
I think that the Dark Eldar list is one of those lists that um, feels like it like it's just good with no weaknesses, but mm. it's very beatable. Like they're all very beatable, you know. It's yeah. it's exact. It's everything I love about Custodes. Like it just gives you tools to deal with everything, which yeah. not every Codex has access to. Yeah, there's no one. I mean, everyone talks about the strategy, but honestly, it, it's not. That's not why. That's not no. why they're winning these tournaments. It's because they have participation in all the phases. They're fast. They're durable. They have assault. They have good shooting. They're just they're. It is. I said this when it came out. It's one of the best, if not the best, Codex to come out because it's so fun. It's fluffy. But it's powerful, and it's powerful in a dark Eldar kind of way, which is. But also, it's it's in the plug and play of Eldar, like again, yeah. a Farseer and, and some Rangers. That's... Who's gonna Who's gonna turn their cheek away from that? You know, it's like that's a great little combo, and then you put anything else in there too. Yeah, I've yeah. seen a ton of the dark Eldar list these days running a an Eldar battalion with you know the Farseer and the you know Spirit Seer or something. Maybe you mix in one or two Hemlocks for a bit of auto hitting and right. extra smites and stuff, and then you bring those Rangers along, and it's like that fills so many gaps in your your dark Eldar list. It's kind of like suddenly you're playing the psychic phase as well as anyone and getting some of the best powers in the game as part of it. Yeah. Yep. So let, let's talk about something that, that I think is more specific to the West Coast meta, at least in 8th edition I've seen, and that's Chaos Lists. Um, because we're, we, we have a lot of really good Chaos players out here on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we see more Chaos Lists than, than what like East Coasters see, right? That's, um, that's interesting, because I actually see a lot... I kind of find the opposite in my experience. Really? That okay. I see more of the the chaos list on the east coast the sort of like cultist hordes and zangors and that sort of thing um whereas on the west coast like at least in my experience mostly all i see is death guard Hmm. maybe Um, it's just down here in san diego then because like i'm thinking of yeah because at the bao i always think like like i'm gonna see ryan mead alan dehessa james carmona aaron Mm -hmm. hayden you know uh someone with really good chaos lists or or any of their any of the people who play them and like chaos Right, like I, yeah. I always, so I always, I always gear myself up for like chaos players. You know, a lot of good chaos players. But um, that is interesting that you say that because I, it might just be a San Diego thing. But needless to say, they're going to be at the BAO. Oh um, yeah, for sure. So, uh, what do you guys, what do you guys feel about like, how do you guys feel about smite spam? I think some lists deal with it a lot better than others. Um, I don't. It's obviously not as dominant as it was before the the beta FAQ and all of that sort of thing brought it down in line. So no one is casting fifteen smites a turn these days. Um, but you know, you can realistically see six, eight, maybe even ten at the top end smites coming out of uh, a good thousand suns plus chaos list, hmm. and that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 good. It's the thousand sun stuff that they're doing right now, and it's twenty four inch of smite. It's really reliable. Mm-hmm. They don't suffer the minus one, uh, or you know, it doesn't get progressively yeah. worse. And then they have really strong abilities to get those powers off continuously. So I think of it as an interesting gatekeeper ish list. Not to use that term too much, in the sense that it's going to win the lower tables you're you're just unless you get a bad matchup it's good against everything for the most part but i do feel like you run into the lists that are meant to be all comers lists and that's one of the first ones that falls off like for me 
with a Calexis, just a single model, it becomes a very, very good matchup for me. And and the obvious answer yeah. is like, well, if they have 40 cultists shooting at it, maybe they kill it. Yeah, maybe, but that's only if, if they can see it. If I can do some line of sight manipulation and I just have it waltzing up the field um, and then I just put my DACA into your cultists, you're probably not killing it. And even if I just buy that much time anyways, now right. there's custodies that are jumping on top of those princes or Magnus and, and they're removing them from field. Um, it's just a really rough matchup for them all of a sudden, and it's just based off of that one guy. And that's just one of the answers. The other ones, too, of course, are like uh, Imperial Guard. They're like, yeah, go ahead and smite the crap out of my, my infantry and cultists, or uh, conscripts, excuse me. Yeah. And then I'll be shelling you for the entire game. That's that's why I feel like that list is, you know, it's maybe tier 1.5 or tier 2. It's good. It's scary to a number of things. It just can't fight its way through a guard horde. Um, that you don't have the guns, it doesn't have the durability, and the smites just aren't going to be able to hit the targets they need to. Yeah, that's they fair. They just don't have the options. Like, if you take Magnus, and your plan is to just waltz up the field behind Cultus, mm. the Castellans, or Shadow Sword, or whatever, is going to just be plucking at you for two or three turns, and you're going to fail. Uh, yeah. If you have your three-up invul, you're going to fail two or three saves, and each one of those shots is so devastating that Mm-hmm. You're gonna be down to Magnus, and then you got these princes, but then there's a Bulbran Star, and there's priests, and there's psychers, and it's just yeah. it's a lot. It just doesn't have the toolbox. It really needs to like beat some of the top end lists. I think yeah, that's fair. All right, all right, guys. Is there any uh, last final comments you guys want to add about your lists, or any cool other things you guys want to throw in? I almost brought Tal. I couldn't bring myself to do it though. <laughs> didn't I? Didn't wasn't quite ambitious enough to get it all painted in time and the storm surges were not working out super well after the last couple tournaments mm. so uh yeah. what is it with double like does, does double storm surge just not have like good damage like i was what's i was actually pe- running the triple uh oh three storm God. surges two oh, yeah. tides um the problem was despite having like eight to nine drops i didn't ever go first and like mm-hmm. i would consider it the problem basically the issue was like i'd get hit with bad luck and it's not to say i lost because of bad luck because a good list can absorb some bad luck like you a list needs to be able to like oh man i rolled poorly on those saves and then be able to recover from that um and the thing i found with the storm surge list was that it couldn't um i would you know get hit by like the uh, the 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 chaos leviathan dread with the the butcher cannons and it's like mm-hmm. oops i failed 10 saves there goes a storm surge and i just couldn't recover from that um as as soon as i started taking casualties like that the list just went downhill way too quickly mm-hmm. um so you know it has the firepower it has a lot of durability until it doesn't okay uh, I'm just excited. I think this is one of the bigger, uh, well, the biggest tournament on the West Coast for us since, I guess, the LVO, kind of. So, yeah, it's really, really fun. I'm not entirely sure who's traveling in yet. It's kind of always a bit of a surprise that way. We've had some East Coast guys. We have guys from the middle of the country. And then a couple of times we've had nobody. It's just been like a showcase of the top West Coast talent. Um, it's right before the ETC, which is really hyped up this year as well. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if that means we're going to have less guys coming over or if there's going to be guys testing lists or what, but um, for me personally, 8th edition's been like the best Warhammer we've seen in a while. Most of the codexes are out. I know Orc players 
Space Wolf players listening right now, I'm very sorry. It didn't come out just yet. Hey, 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 hey. Gene Steeler Cult also. That's right. And yep. Imperial Agents, all those Inquisition players Here's the thing. grinding Gene their Cult, teeth. Gene Steeler Cult players aren't actually even Gene Steeler Cult players. They are Terranid players that like a guard battalion. Yeah. They're, they're, like Inari. they're like Inari players, right? <laughs> When's the Inari Codex coming out, GW? <laughs> I'm waiting. My faction is garbage. Wait, no, it's super good um it's gonna be good the train's great it's gonna be hot if anyone's listening to this yeah. we're going oh man it's gonna be do that's... not wear jeans do oh, not God. wear a sweatshirt it's yeah. gonna be smoking hot and it's going to be loud so hydrate yeah rest the day before come in ready to go it's a great tournament it's one of my absolute favorites of the year but it is gonna be hot pray for a table near one of those gigantic fans so that you don't catch on fire halfway through round yeah. three yeah. And come ready for knights, by the way. If, if anyone out yeah. there is like, I've got my army painted up, and someone's like, what do you do about knights? And you're like, well, I just hope not to face any. Oh, Don't do that. Don't do it. This is the knight tournament, I promise you. Yeah, they're going to be yeah. everywhere for at least another month or two here. Like, they may not be taking top tables and everything, but you're going to see them constantly. Because yeah. they're, they're big, gorgeous models, people love them, and a lot of people still have them from 7th edition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you guys have any questions or if you guys want to come say hi to us at the BAO, uh, you can email me, frontlinegamingpdpop at gmail.com. Um, I will send you guys pictures of Sean and Jeff so you know what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> but my um, secret identity, Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. You guys can just approach me at the BAO and I'll, I'll point them out to you. Um, if Jeff's, Jeff might look a little scary, so you might have to wait until his game's over. <laughs> um, but I promise Jeff's a big old bear, big old teddy bear when you meet him. And uh, Sean's a nice guy, too. So, yeah, say hi to us all. We're all going to be there. Yeah. And, and I'm super excited. Um, I can't wait for next episode. Next episode is going to be uh, a lot of fun. Um, I think it'll be the it'll be like the ETC primer episode. And then we'll we'll yeah. have uh, we'll all have a tournament to talk about. Val will have his his tournament in London, which I forgot to mention. Mr. He's Val. London? Yeah, he's not London. I, I oh, UK. ETC. No, no, uh, um, he's going TGX to... TGX? Or... Not TGX. Let me... I had it pulled up, it, and then it moved, because huh. it was on the page forever. Um, Good for him. Yeah, yeah, he's going to... Uh, well, he's going to a tournament in the UK. I can't I can't find it, because Val's... Val's uh, Val comments, like, every 10 seconds. So. <laughs> Chatty Cathy, that one. <laughs> um, uh, oh, the NWO in Southport, UK. Uh, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, um, actually, if you guys, Val Heffelfinger, add him on Facebook. Val, Val is uh, super in tune with the 40K community, and he's about to go on a crazy tournament spree. He's going to play. He just did TGX, and he's doing NWO uh, at the UK, and then he's doing Warhammer World, and then he has the ETC um, right after that. So, for the next three weeks, Val's going to be doing 40K stuff and playing tournaments. Um, yeah, and traveling quite a bit, too. Yeah, a lot of traveling. So, so um, check him out. Um, so we'll all have a, a tournament experience. Hopefully, hopefully I'll hit my goal of, of making a top table against a good player. Um, I, I don't expect to win the BAO. I just I just don't think I have the right list for it, um, uh, unfortunately. But I do I do hope that I can beat like uh, one or two good players who who I think I probably shouldn't have beaten. Um, so that's that's my goal. My <laughs> goal is to steal a win. Pablo. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that's my goal is to go four and two or five and one. Um, and then, uh, you know, I might drop if I do really poorly and then do Facebook Live day two, uh, depending on how we do and how I'm feeling. 
I have a I have a rant slash declaration to make. Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you were trying to end, but I'm going to extend it a little bit longer. I think there's a lot of cool things going on in the scene, and I don't know all the answers, so take that for the grain of salt that it is. But uh, Reese and uh, Frankie have declared that on day two at the Bay Area Open, all games will be played with a clock. I think this is a tremendous and terrible mistake. I think it's actually going to be really, really bad. Playing with the clock is hmm. a great idea, and I know it's trying to accomplish some good things, and most certainly games will finish, by the way. So if that's all you care about, that's fantastic. But the stress that it applies to 98% of the field, which is very casual players, people that are just there to have fun, is going to be insurmountable. I think most people will just ignore it. They just won't do it. And if they do do it, it's going to create problems. But I actually think clocks are going to make it so that the issues we had at the ATC type of thing is going to go through the roof. If you've ever tried mm-hmm. to watch a guy roll dice when you have an hour and 15 minutes or so on the clock to do your stuff, and then the guy says, that's strength eight, and you go, no, no, it's strength seven. He goes, check your book. And you go, no, it's I know it is. You check my book. And the guy's like, no, I'm not going to take the time off. And the two of you get into that stalemate right there. Then you call over a judge, but more time's ticking off, and it's ticking off of one of your clocks. And then you click it over to him because he's the one with the dispute, but he clicks it back over to you because it's your turn. Then you punch him in the face, and then he pulls out a sword <laughs> and cuts you in the stomach. Wow. Like That's what's going to end up happening is this kind of shit where people are like, any dispute, any problems, it's all going to get magnified quite a bit when you implement it like globally this way. I personally think clocks should be at the final tables which i know is not at the bao so that's a bit of an issue but like at the lvo for instance and then there should be a judge there at every table that you have a clock at and yeah. if you don't do it that way and you don't have people that are practiced with clocks you're gonna have a, more issues than you ever would before to, to oh. be clear is it literally every table or is it only day the two. undefeated tables day two it's every table from wow that's yeah that's a little more ambitious than i might go with it and I could be wrong. Someone can tell me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I, what I understand is day two is all tables have clocks. And I, I'm i not 100% certain, but I was of the understanding that when a neutral action is taking place, such as checking a codex, you pause the clock and it does not count against either player. How could that be possible, though? Almost all chess clocks have a way to pause them. No, no, I mean in the game. Like so, if you give each other an hour and 15 and you just pause time. Yes. Uh, it, I mean, you almost always end the game with time left on the clock for one player or the other. Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. you can't start a turn. Not 8th edition, my friend. You know, no, you, you can't start a turn if either player has less than 10 minutes on the clock. So it's virtually impossible to... So here's my point. Perfectly Let's say everything it, you're but... saying is correct. 99% of the people using these clocks won't know any of what you just said. Sure. I, I agree that, like, for the players who aren't in contention for something the people who are not at least two and one come day two and arguably three and oh there's no real point to the chess clocks the guy who's one and two or oh and three doesn't care about chess clocks so forcing i don't think they will pointless i i I think they'll they'll have the clock on their table if that is if i'm correct about that and they'll just be like uh now and and no one's going to come over and be like both of you yeah get out of the building you're out of here it's not going to be like that i know but my point is there is going to be a lot of people using clocks for the first, second, third, or fourth time, or whatever it is, Hmm. and there is going to be disputes, and they're not going to know how to handle it, and it's going to create problems. But even what I am saying is the drama we've been having, 
of guys like getting rules wrong, rolling dice too quick, slow playing. Like I mean, slow playing is going to go away obviously with clocks, but I'm just saying it down to the general populace. Play with the clock. It is you cannot watch your opponent that much at the same time. It's really hard. Yeah, and there's weird stuff too, like when a guy overwatches you with fucking aggressors that re-roll everything. Yeah, you better click that clock over, and if you don't, it's taking up five minutes of your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's my my recommendation, and I agree with Jeff on a lot of this stuff. Um, I think it has the potential for problems, but honestly, I would say start playing with chess clocks, guys. They're really not that yeah. expensive. Just get one, start playing with it, because if you think you have a shot at winning a GT. You need to know how to use a chess clock. Yeah, it's the wave of the future, probably. Yeah, yep. it's the and it and it's the pro, it's not a pro, solution anyone likes, but something needs to be done. Games ending on turn two is not okay. Yeah, and we we actually you, the listeners just actually heard this. We we ended the the previous segment on slow play. Just yeah, just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think I think you're right, Jeff. As much as it, I hate to say it. Um, I think there might be a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, with that decision mm-hmm. from the community, um, but you know, I know Reese and Frankie are optimistic, um, and they, you know, they did the they did the model pooling. They were the first ones to do that at the SoCal Open last year, um, and mm-hmm. it worked out just fine. So, so maybe this will work out too. I, I imagine it's going to work out something kind of like half what you say and half positively. Like, I imagine. I hope to be wrong. Yeah, yeah I hope yeah. I'm completely wrong. Yeah, but um, I think I think it's a fair point and. Uh, for those of you who are going to be keeping an eye on the BAO uh, on Facebook, on, on on you know Twitter or whatever, wherever you get your news, your tournament news, um, I, I would just be mindful of, of what Jeff said. If you're listening to this podcast, is um, the, there might be some errors, there might be some um, happy happy uh, mistakes, so to speak. <laughs> um, but um, I think ultimately the BAO historically there have always been really tense top tables. At the oh, BAO, yeah. more more than more than most, actually, I, I've actually always found that the top tables at the BAO are more intense than the top tables at the LVO, which I think was actually mm. is actually really strange, because um, and I watch all the top tables at the LVO and I watched all the table top tables at the BAO, so so I, I definitely know sure. what's what's going on there, but um, and that's another reason why I'm happy I'm playing Custodes, by the way. Guess <laughs> who does not have a tough time with time at all? Not yeah, I'll tell you Custodes, what, not at all. That was that was definitely one thing with like all the the big top heavy tile lists I've played is like when you finish your game in an hour every round either tabling or being tabled you don't got to worry about that shit. No, no. <laughs> my army's slow, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be huffing and puffing the whole time at yep. the the tournament, which which I'm forcing myself. Yeah, sweat pen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one one final tip before we we leave off um to to the tune of Jeff's statement. Mm-hmm. If you are playing with chess clocks, I highly recommend. Um, they're two hour and forty five minute rounds. Um, let me just triple check that real quick. They are two hour. There are two hour and forty five minute, three hour. And, I can't do math. They they are longer rounds. Um, yeah. So so always start if they're two hour forty five minute rounds. For example, give each opponent or give each player an hour and fifteen minutes instead of the full um, instead of breaking down time evenly, and then give mm-hmm. yourself that fifteen minute wiggle room for both the start of the game and the end of the game, and for any judge rule calls. So just just mm-hmm. um. Take 15 minutes off both players' times. Tell your opponent to. If, if your opponent's like, hey, it's two hours and 45 minutes. How are we going to divide that evenly? <laughs> like, we'll actually, we'll, you know, we'll actually make give each other one hour and 15 minutes. That way we have 15 minutes of grace time for both of us so that we're not freaking out on time. So, and, it, and I think that's why the 15 minutes was, was put in place, just to give players that little extra time. 
Um, yeah. yeah, and then communicate with your opponent. Always 100%. Tell them what's going on. Um, if there's a chess clock, if, they, if they've never played a chess clock, um, and you have, let them know. Let them know what's going on. Be patient with them. Um, and if neither of you have a chess clock and you 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 um, find yourselves in an unfortunate situation of having a chess clock and being like 3-0, and day 2 at the BAO, and neither of you know how to use it, um, reach out to Reese or Frankie. Um, or if you see me and I'm close by at a table, give me a shout out and I will gladly come and help you, um, even if it costs me my game, because um, I'm still there <laughs> to help. So just keep that in mind, guys. All I would add, by the way, is if you are playing with clocks, play fast. You'll yeah. be so surprised how quick, because you do not want what happens when the clock ends and you're like, oh, do, do we just, what do we do? You want to talk it out? The other guy's like, no, I got 25 minutes. So I'm going to play by myself. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, like, even if you have yeah. to end your turn to save yourself like five minutes for don't rolling. Overwatch with guardsmen, yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, yeah. but play fast and, and end with time. End with time. Don't don't be like, oh, I've got fifteen minutes. It's fine. I'll really think this one out because maybe that maybe it works out that way. Maybe it doesn't. But end with time and play quick. Yeah, you'll be surprised how quick you can play if you actually put your mind to it. Because a lot oh, of the yeah. time, it's just it's the the fact that you don't have any awareness of how long it's taking. And when you try and play fast. You'll play fast. Yeah. Right on. All right, guys. Well, Jeff and Sean, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to wait for the previous recording and then coming on and talking about the BAO and giving yeah. up all of your secrets. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Pablo. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, once again, email me, frontlinegamingpdpob at gmail.com. If you like what you heard um, or if you just want to hear more, if you want to let me know um, how I'm doing or if you have any criticisms or really anything, I just like you guys emailing me. Um, have a good one, guys. We'll see you all at after the BAO.